the blast from our past network. Hey everybody out there, what's happening? This is Thomas G. Waits, Windows from The Thing, also The Fox from The Warriors, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Don't worry, you can stay up late, it's okay, your parents won't yell at you. Enjoy. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, 2011's The Thing, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Joel Edgerton, and Eric Christian Olsen. Welcome to another Sub-Zero episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey, and this week we are heading back to Antarctica to take on The Thing 2011, the prequel. Joined with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my maybe Thing Zach. What's up, buddy? I'm cold. <laughs> but for freezing but but damn i look good in this norwegian jacket well dude everybody looks good in norwegian jackets baby no, everyone's pretty everyone's pretty in 2011 <laughs> this is true this is everyone's true. pretty you know it's like this is uh, this is what uh wearing a uh, clay mask on your face once a week will do for your skin and you know eating organic healthy foods and uh <laughs> you know what this is this is 2011 it's not 1982 so you literally just made me think of something. Uh, one of our fans online, uh, I, I think it might have been Dead Alive Store. Um, he okay. He he said like everyone in this one was much prettier than the original one. My retort was maybe Norwegians have better hygiene. But then I realized as you're talking, dude. Like back in the '80s, like we've talked about it before. Like men, look at look at Rails back and Life Force. Men did not groom <laughs> their eyebrows, their unibrows. They didn't do any of that shit. So like you take the the actors in this movie t- in 2011, you put them next to actors in 1982. It's not just that like the film grain is different and stuff like that. It's like literal like like how people take care of themselves has evolved in 40 years. It's crazy, but that is a problem that ha- that I have a hard time sort of getting into this being a prequel and not feeling like it's a modern day film. Yeah. I, I see both, I see both ends of the coin. Yeah. Uh, it, it adds a li- it takes away a little bit of that uh, period piece feel to it, you know, in this, mm-hmm. in that sense. You know, hence the the lack of product placements from 1982, like a Coke can or a, which I respect actually. But uh, but you know, overall, we'll 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 discuss whether that tainted my opinion of it or not. Yeah, everybody looks like too pretty. So yeah, dead alive, you're spot on, dude. But uh, but you know, at the same time, the the those Swedes know how to party. They're Norwegians, Mac. Norwegians, Mac. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We finally get to meet the Swedes, Norwegians. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, so before we get into the cast and crew, actually, let me say that again. Before we get into the mostly stellar cast and crew, um, I just want to give a little backstory on this episode. So as you all know, Zach and I reviewed the original John Carpenter, The Thing, um, back in year one of podcasting after dark, back when we were babies, baby podcasters. And 
You guys might recall it almost broke me taking notes and tracking that movie, <laughs> but it was a blast, man. We had a blast talking about it, and it's our most downloaded episode to date. It is just unstoppable. It's always in like the top five every month, The Thing. We love it. We absolutely love that movie. Everybody does. Everybody loves The Thing. It's probably uh, next to Halloween, John Carpenter's most popular film. Uh, I'd say out of his out of his repertoire, out of his filmography, um, and we love all things the thing, uh, including the uh, comic book series by uh, Dark Horse that we just recorded, and that will be exclusively on our Patreon. Obviously, um, you, if if you're not a Patreon subscriber, please consider check subscribing to our patreon because it's it's for that episode alone it's worth it in my opinion um you know we talk about the video game we love so much from ps2 Mm -hmm. uh that there's a there's an electronica band called zombie uh with an eye they do uh a cool stop motion well they don't someone took their song and made a stop motion video of gi joe figures uh in as as uh characters from the thing i remember and, which you is showing phenomenal me it's it so is, good dude. It's, it's so good it's so in <laughs> the music they do it might be it might be a music video I, I could be wrong um it's been a while since i watched it it's on you youtube can, go check it out yeah easily google you know the thing gi joe music video you'll find it easily yeah yeah and and you know we love that and then we got the opportunity to talk to thomas g waits uh which is also on our Patreon, which is something if you haven't listened to that interview, you definitely should because he has a fondness for the thing. Uh, And and as you all know, Thomas G. Waits played Windows in the original thing. Thank you. Yes, of course. And, uh, you know, and then it brings us to Morgan Creek. If it wasn't for Morgan Creek, we wouldn't be doing this episode. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, you, you're, you're, you had a huge hand in that, of course. Can you tell a little bit of the backstory on that? Yeah, yeah, they they reached out to us. Um, obviously, saw our love for uh, the thing. Obviously, saw uh, everyone's response to our episode from the thing, and uh, you know, we just started talking, and they just reached out and be like, "Hey, you know, would you mind reviewing the 2011, uh, you know, prequel slash reboot one?" And I was like, "Sure," you know, like honestly. You know, I thought about it and I was like, look, like if they wanted us to review something that just totally wasn't in our wheelhouse, like, I don't know, Last of the Mohicans or something. I mean, come on. I I like that movie, too, but it's not a podcasting after dark film. But the thing I was like, sure. I was like, you know what? I saw that movie. I saw it once when it originally. So this is also my connection to the film. I saw it when it originally came out on on DVD back in 2011. Uh, I remember people had a lot of problems with, you know, the CGI versus the practical effects and everything. And that's something we will discuss and get into here. But my takeaway when I saw it was like, oh, that was okay. Like, I didn't have any problems with the movie. I was like, it was entertaining. You know, I had I had I had fun with it 10 years ago um and then rewatching, but i hadn't seen it since and rewatching it now i'm like okay yeah the the cgi clearly is gonna be dated i mean it's already 10 years older you know so it's gonna be dated and everything but i think the movie does some fun stuff um i think it, it you know it kind of overextends here and there and i think it also kind of uh you know gets a little pigeonholed clearly because they have to deconstruct this film to make it fit into the original john carpenter movie at the end um but overall i think it's i think it's a fun time that's worth 
checking out at least once. Yeah, look, in in Morgan Creek, who uh, very generously uh, contributed to us being able to see this movie, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be doing it. Um, you know, we may get down, down to this movie. We may get to this movie down the road someday. If it was left to our own accord, it might be like year nine or something we would have gotten to it. Yeah, let's be honest. And that's simply has nothing to do with the quality of the movie. It has simply to do with the fact that we obviously cover more films that are that are come out in that come out in the 70s and the 80s and 90s specifically. But the fact that they said here. Yeah, we'd love for you guys to do this. The the the, the attention that we got from it was great. Um, they're they're you know, and I guess in a sense sponsoring this episode because yes. they contributed to it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Morgan Creek, for for allowing us to do this show. Um, and I we we I remember you specifically said, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna sugarcoat this. We're gonna be totally honest. We're gonna give mm-hmm. it our spin as we do with every episode. And we're gonna talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, bada 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 bada, pop pop pop, and uh, you know, go from there. But again, thanks to Morgan Creek, we're we're doing the thing. And I think the thing is uh, in 2011, you know, my relationship to it is very small. Uh, I caught like the the last fifteen minutes, unfortunately, oh, or maybe no. fortunately. Yeah, on I was flipping channels one night when I had cable. It tells you how long ago that was, and I think it was on like TBS or something like that. And I I, I go, oh shit, this is the thing. Oh, this is the finale. Oh, I'm seeing how the movie ends. Oh crap. I'm, <laughs> oh oh crap. man. Well, I might as well just watch the rest of it. And I did. I watched the rest of it, and I had a really uh, positive experience. I'm like, oh. I'll have to watch this whole thing someday. Then I had a kid and, uh, you know, never had a chance to. So, (laughs) so actually I was really excited to watch this movie because like you, um, I'm a huge Carpenter fan, the thing fan, the thing story line, uh, you know, the thing from another world, the original 1950s version, uh, I'm a big fan of as well. So anything related to that I'm down with. And yeah. um, so it was, it was worth checking out. And honestly, I think, yeah, CGI aside, uh, I've got a lot of things that I really enjoyed about it that I can't wait to talk about. And uh, very few things that made me go, meh. It was more just like, okay, that happened. Yeah. Next scene's cool, you know? Yeah, that was that was kind of my overall feeling is that I was never offended by like anything in the movie like I wasn't like oh that was totally stupid why would they do that I was like okay that makes sense they went from point A to point B they did this they did that and now now we're here you know what I mean I'm like okay that's fine you know but um yeah I I like you have a good time with it and I did want to just mention real quick if you guys and gals obviously love the thing um I think the original novel is called Who Goes There I believe um and if you like this if you like our original episode um and you have not listen to the Horror Express episode, please do, because that is also, uh, it's not based on the book, I think, as much as this, the thing is, but it is inspired by that book, so I would dare say that it almost fits in the same universe. I would totally agree with you, um, and that was one of the reasons I chose that movie when I did back in the day. Back in the day, it was like last year. Anyways, <laughs> um, God, it feels it feels like ten lifetimes ago, buddy. <laughs> it does, it does, and I and I will tack on one more thing to this film. Uh, there's been, you know, a, a handful of 
Carpenter remakes. Um, Halloween, obviously, not a fan of that movie. Um, the Fog, definitely not a fan of that. Oh, I think that, that movie terrible. is complete garbage. Uh, no offense to anyone that does like it to each his own, but that's not definitely, that's one of my favorite Carpenter films. And I thought it's just was horribly done. Um, I feel like Fright Night is a passable remake. Yeah. Uh, it's passable. I, yeah. I, I didn't like it that much, but it's passable. Um, Robocop is not good. The no. Robocop remake is not good though. I will say Joel Kinnaman. I think I am a, a, a fan of his. My wife is a bigger fan. <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd say like with like the RoboCop remake, the the um the Total Recall, recall the Total Recall remake, Total Recall, uh, yeah, I, all the other ones you mentioned. I would say I like this one the best, and it's and it's weird because it's not it's a prequel, but it is sort of a, a, a rebootish type of thing. I think that was how it sort of sold as well in the theaters. You know, like you don't have yeah. to know the original one to know this one, but yeah. And that's why I give it more respect in that way because it's not a full, it's not a remake. It's not, yeah. it's not a remake. No. Um, but I did like the fact that this was uh, produced by the same guys who did Dawn of the Dead remake. Yes. Strike, I love Strike. And um, the Crazies, I think, was also one of theirs, right? Yep, I believe it was, and I also very much enjoyed that. We mentioned that before, I can't remember what episode, but I think we both like the remake better than the George Romero original. Yeah, uh, both of those, <laughs> Dawn of the Dead and the Crazies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would put Dawn, Crazies, the Thing in that order uh, as far as recent horror remakes are concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you, yeah. right there with you with with that uh, assessment. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's that's because we're it's because we're bros for life. But <laughs> that's uh, because we're we're saying things. We just got uh, we're we're like Edward's uh, hands who got detached. <laughs> exactly. Oh God. Yeah. So. So uh, I'm I'm excited to dive into this film and am... and, and again I think this this is uh, I put this in the same category of us doing uh, Summer of '84 and um, and the upcoming Psycho Goreman Psycho Goreman uh, you know in in that in that it's modern we wanted to do something new uh, it, like I said earlier, it didn't hurt that Morgan Creek happily obliged us with, uh, <laughs> you know, with this film. Um, but it, it, I think it's important to show our audience that there's more to life than just the, the movies from our childhood also. You know, there's, yeah. there's movies out there that are worth revisiting and worth giving a second chance. I think people love, people love to crap on movies just simply because uh, it's it's a modern take on something. I yeah. get that. I used to be that way too. Now I'm like, and we've said it many times before, there's many cogs in the wheel. And dare I say that the guys who made this movie are f- very big fans of the original and yeah. wanted to do this uh this this story justice. Yeah. So hats off to them for getting this movie made. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, like we said, the CGI is the biggest fault that I, I find with this movie. Um, some script stuff here and there, a little bit, but for the Same, most part, yeah. I think that it was more hits than misses, more wins than losses, and in, 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 as a whole in the movie. But man, I think one of the things that really I loved more than anything 
was the Norwegian cast. And I was watching the behind the scenes uh, stuff on it. And they didn't think like when they pitched it, the the writer and the, the producers, I guess, strike and everything pitched it. Um, they're like, look, we do want the, a Norwegian cast for this because they're supposed to be. And they were fully expecting them to get pushback and saying, no, we're going to need to use an American cast. But no, they were like, yeah, let's do that. And they literally got the creme de la creme of freaking Norwegian acting. Now, granted, a lot of us don't know who they are, but apparently the guy who plays, like, Edvard is, like, the Brad Pitt of Nor Norway and everything. Like, these are, like, big-name Norwegian actors, and and as I'm watching it, you can tell. Like, they, like, the guy who plays Lars, the guy who plays Peter, the guy who plays Jonas, you know, the, the freaking Viking-looking dude. I mean, I think they're all fantastic and dare i say the, the 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 biggest wet noodle in the entire movie is is kate the mary uh uh and the funny thing is and i just want to say this now i was talking to my wife before before we recorded um she agreed with me she was like man she was just kind of bland and i was like you know what's funny i was like uh, mary elizabeth weinstead i was like i love scott pilgrim versus the world i think she's the most blandest part of that entire movie i think she's just bland and i i, I like it's so movie. What'd you say? I didn't like that movie. I, some, I know some people didn't. But <laughs> the, the point I'm trying to make is I love the Norwegian cast in this film. And if anything, yeah. it made me want to watch more movies with them. Yeah. No, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I've got my own wet noodle in the cast, too. We'll get to him. As, him is it, is as, it Joel Egerton? No, actually. Oh, no, okay. Uh, I'm going to stop guessing. I'll just guess at everybody. Let's see. I'll get to him. Um, but... Uh, you know, it, it's. I agree with you. The cast is is really good. Yeah, you said Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Or I think it's Winstead. Yeah, um, Winstead. Yeah. She was. She was in. I think the second season of Fargo. Uh, if you and I know you haven't really seen the Fargo series no, on no, FX. No, uh, I saw Fargo season one and season two, and it's some of the best TV I've ever seen. But I've never seen seasons three or four. I didn't remember her in Fargo season two though. I think she might have been in Fargo. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Was she in Fargo season two? Yeah, yeah she was in Fargo, yeah. Yeah, she was fantastic in Fargo season two. Um, well, that entire... I, I feel like they get the best performances out of everybody. Yeah. In fact, Chris Rock is probably his best acting he's ever done. It's in the latest season oh, of God, Fargo. Oh, God, I'm dying to see it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, she... I mean, she's... she's. I would consider her an A-list actor for sure, Um she was also and, in 10 Cloverfield Lane, another movie yeah. that I didn't quite like, to be honest with you. I never saw that. And and this is, I guess, you know, one of the faults on my end. Or not fault, but there's only so much time during the day and the yeah. ability to see these movies. So when we're given the opportunity to watch a movie, I jump at it because it's like, oh, yeah, I get to watch a, a movie that I really want to see. Yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, she she's a big name. She plays Kate in the movie, Kate Lloyd. Uh, and then, you know, top lined in the cast is Carter, uh, played by Joel Egerton. You know, Joel Egerton's a he's a huge big name as well. Uh, he's he's been in so many big, big films from like The Great Gatsby and Red Sparrow and I, Bright, the he Netflix was movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also in um, Midnight Special by. Um, I love that movie. 
by uh, Jeff Nichols. Uh, I, yeah. I did too. I really I liked that movie. I actually liked Take Shelter a little bit more, but I very much liked Jeff Nichols. Um, and of course, uh, Joel Egerton is uh, young Uncle Owen in the Star Wars prequels, and and he's going to be repraising his role as Uncle Owen in the Kenobi series that's coming out. That's right. And he was uh, he was in a movie called The Gift, which I highly recommend. Mm. Jason Bateman is mm-hmm. in that as well. And that is a uh, kind of like a stalker-ish type film. Very good. And he's yeah. really good in that. And in, and actually, I really, yeah, I, well, we'll get to his performance in his, um, throughout the movie. Yeah. Now on to other people in the movie. Ulrich Tomlinson plays Dr. Sander Halvorsen. So I was just telling Zach offline, I was like, I'm so happy that I don't, I'm not the one that does the, the cast and crew on these episodes. <laughs> like, I was like, good luck. And I'm sorry. Yes. And I'm sorry if I, if I mispronounce anybody's names, uh, yeah. very much apologize. Don't, don't, uh, don't hate me for it, but he's been in a lot of mainstream American films and series like the new Pope on HBO. And then he's, you know, in in Danish films as well, like Erna I Krig, which looks like a war movie. Uh, but I'm not familiar with his work, but I will be now because yeah. of this movie because I thought yeah. he was great. Um, and then Eric Christian Olsen, who looks like a young Robert Redford, if you will, from Sneakers in yeah. kind of. Dude, I've seen this guy for years, you know, and and the funny thing is you're looking at his filmography, he's, filmography, he's been in so much stuff, but every time I see him, I told Myra this, it's so hard. He's in Community, and he's always had. You ever see the show Community? Did you ever yeah, watch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I love that show. Okay, do you remember what they what they called him? They called him Tiny Nipples in in the show because he, as an actor or the person, the, the real person, he's got tiny nipples. They they're really really tiny. So the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, Tiny Nipples, what you doing, buddy? But that, would you that rather a- have Tiny Nipples or Pepperoni Nipples? Well, since I have pepperoni nipples, I'd say I'd rather have tiny nipples because that was a huge source of embarrassment for me growing up my entire life, and I still have insane bad complex about it. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. That's okay. You've probably never seen them because I rarely take my shirt off. Mine mine go from pepperoni to tiny. Depends on the weather. Yeah, well, me too, and that's why I try to make my nipples hard so they don't look like they're big, puffy pepperoni nipples, but they are. So Do the pinch trick? Yes, everything. Yes, everything. My entire 99% of my existence growing up in high school was trying to cover up my my fucking pepperoni nipples. (laughs) Seriously, Uh, this is you're literally listening to me ever saying this for the first time on air, and it's like my biggest, deepest, darkest secret. So guys and gals, enjoy. I mean, usually I'm the one to reveal deep secrets on this show, (laughs) so I'm floored. I know. The look on your face is you're like, I don't know what to say to this right now. (laughs) I don't. And I'm like, that's how I usually feel. (laughs) Well, I was going to say you could trim your chest hair, which is what works for me. Well, I don't have any chest hair, so Oh, yeah, that's right. You're a naked mole rat. (laughs) I forgot. I'm a fucking mole rat. I have a, instead of having like, what is it like a, when people take off their shirt, they like, they got a a skin sweater. So I I don't know. I got no fucking hair. None. Zero. Like, like a bald, like a baby. If, uh, if Eric Christian Olsen is listening to this right now, he's probably like, why aren't you talking about me? You're talking about pepperoni nipples. <laughs> You're talking about my tiny nipples, please. Uh, yeah. Holy shit, he's from Eugene, Oregon. Awesome. Oh, I just looked that up. There you go. <laughs> and he's one year younger than me. Um, 
and one year older than you, I believe. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. he might be our new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he was my least favorite actor in the movie, so mm. there you go. Um, that's, that's funny because I actually really liked him in this. And like oh. I said, he's whenever he pops up, I'm always like, hey, it's that guy. But and okay, I, was like, I get oh, it. I get that it. guy. <laughs> well, but that's funny because, you know. It's all it's you know it's it's kind of subjective because totally. I think I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is a wet noodle and boring and and you're like yeah she's fine whereas like I'm like this guy's fine you're like he's boring yeah it's like, who's right here I didn't think he's boring I'm just I'm like oh it, it's interchangeable blonde guy yeah he is <laughs> no blonde guy <laughs> it's it's young Peter Horton it's young uh, Robert Redford. Um, but he's probably, he'd probably be like, I'll take both of those guys. <laughs> I mean, I would take that if you're like, Hey, Corey, you look like a young Robert Redford. I'll take that. Cause the only compliment I ever got was you got, you look like a young Gary Busey. Oh, well, that's not a bad thing. Gary Busey. Before the bike accident, school, and I was after. like in ninety. This was like ninety five, ninety four. So you know, this okay. is starting to become crazy, Gary Busey. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. I'd say young Gary Busey, <laughs> big Wednesday, Gary Busey, big Wangsday. Um, yeah. So he plays uh, Eric Christian Olsen. Tiny nipples plays Adam Finch. <laughs> Tiny nipples. Adam Finch. Tiny nipples. Um, playing Jameson. Now this this guy has a very interesting name. Uh, he he he's, he's Nigerian descent. I believe he grew up in England. Yes, um, his name is Adewale Akinuoe Agabaje, and I may be saying that name wrong, but he would go by AAA often as well. If you look him up on Wikipedia, uh, former fashion model turned actor writer and now director he just directed a movie but he's been in everything from um actually i think the movie he directed is called farming but um oh yeah yeah and and he kind of made a big splash or people made a big deal in the original suicide squad movie that he he, because he was playing killer croc um and you know killer croc's such a like a numbskull sort of character, but then, and he is a fantastic actor and, and well known for being a good actor. So it was kind of like a big deal that they, you know, put a good actor in as killer croc. Yeah. And it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he I mean, also movie in... sucked. I hated that fucking movie. <laughs> well, I think the next one's going to be really good. By the way. I'm excited for the next one. I mean, I love James Gunn, so I'm, I'm excited for the second one, I but I hated the fucking first one. <laughs> well, he was also in, uh, apparently he got to start in Oz, which I love that show on mm. HBO. I yeah. love that show. And he was in Game of Thrones, and that will not be the last time I mentioned Game of Thrones Mm-mm. in this breakdown of the cast. Um, Paul Bronstein, Paul Bronstein or Steen plays Griggs. Um, and he was in Jigsaw. I think he was a, de- a detective in that Jigsaw movie. It was the Jigsaw movie yeah. uh, that came out in 2017. Yeah. Um, Scary Stories, The Tuxedo, a lot of pretty decent, you know, big name movies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he has a very small role in this, but a very important role. Uh, Tron Epson Syme. Another... This is this is the guy that is apparently uh, uh, the Brad Pitt of of Norway. Sure, I, that's a, I'm, I'm, I say that based on that. That's what they. That's what somebody called him in the in the documentary thing. So yeah, again, because I, I, I don't know any of these guys whatsoever. No, and, and if you look up his filmography, lot of uh, you know. European films, I'll yeah. put it that way, and and they uh, look like like. 
big films. I mean, I'm just going off of the posters, but they look like they're kind of like big, big budgeted films. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, good for him. Good for being the Brad Pitt of Norway. <laughs> yeah, <good>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> then there's Kim Bubs. Kim Bubs plays Juliet. And uh, she was born in Canada, which you never know by her accent. She does a really good job of. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's got a French Canadian mother, so maybe she's, that she's got she put that she puts a good European accent on her role uh, in this one as Juliet. But she played Marie Curie in uh, Timeless, which was a TV series, which is pretty badass. Um, that was one of her bigger things. Yeah. And then uh, Jorgen Lagel plays Lars. Oh, he was my favorite in the entire movie. Word. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. A lot of uh, European films as well. Uh, Jan Gunnar Rolfs plays um, Olav, uh, and he was in a lot of European films as well. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and it's funny because I'm scrolling through and I thought maybe Lars, like, is, I was like, is anyone from Troll Hunter or, like, an actual, like, mm, yeah. m- movie that I've seen from either Norway or, or Sweden and Don't Kill Me because I know those aren't the same thing, you know? But, like, I was like, is, is, is Lars, was he from that? Like, no, he's just, but he's been in a shit ton of things. But, yeah, they're all just, yep, yep. Yeah, there are a lot of yeps in this. Yep, a lot Uh, of Norwegian movies, yep. Yeah, and I had that feeling about our next actor, uh, Stig Henrik Hoff, who plays Peter, uh, or Peter, with a D. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, this guy looks really familiar to me, but nope. 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 Look look at his IMDb, nope. Nope. Shit shit ton of movies, all of them in in Norway, nope. Nope. (laughs) And that brings us to our next actor, uh, Christopher Hivju, uh, who everyone knows. He's Tormund Giants Bane in Game of Thrones, one of the awesomest characters in on the entire show. And I loved I loved everything he did. And I like him. I love him as an actor. Yes. When he popped up, I was like, oh, this movie just got more points for mm-hmm. me because they cast him because I love him so much. He's, um, and his eyes are so expressive. Yes, they they are. He, he's such a he's such a fantastic actor. Uh, really quick, uh, Joe Adrian Havind Havind plays Henrik. Karsten uh, Bjornlund plays Carl. Jonathan Walker plays Colin, and Ole Martin on Nielsen plays Matthias. And it's funny because I actually know Jonathan Walker from Land of the Dead. He's like he doesn't have an actual like a big role, but he was one of um, you know like one of the 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 high rise people in it. And uh, but his face very memorable. And I'm like, oh, that guy from Land of the Dead. All right, getting work. Good for you. Yeah, I mean he's he's been in a lot of mainstream American films. So uh, yeah, like Shooter. And, yeah, Shoot Shooter and Red <laughs> and. Uh, Van Helsing. Oh, he was yeah. a producer on the Van Helsing TV show. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So he's in. He's he grew up in England. Uh, so he's British, I would assume. And the other, yeah. So overall, like you said, the cast is mostly Norwegian. And prop props to them. Seriously, like let's give the like I guess Morgan Creek, the production company, the ultimate say so for being like, okay, we'll cast this, but who, whoever made the call and okayed it to actually use real Norwegian actors, best, like that best idea you could have done, because I think not having them Norwegian would have really plummeted this, this movie downwards. 
Yeah, uh, agreed. And I could see them easily doing that, a, 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 a mm-hmm. re, uh, prequel, remake, reboot type thing in this day and age. So to give this kind of an indie feel in a way or, or a foreign film feel uh, is, is very ballsy for a mainstream big budgeted movie. Um, and I applaud him too. I think it's great. And I loved it. It led to the authenticity, especially mm-hmm. the finale. Yeah. Yes. 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 Agreed. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yes. And to round out after the cast, let's let's also mention that that this movie's directed by I'm going to say his name probably wrong, Mathis Van Helgen Jr. Hennigan Jr. I'm saying it to- totally butchering it. I apologize. Um, another uh, a Norwegian uh, filmmaker, European filmmaker, obviously clearly a fan of the. Uh, 82 Carpenter thing. Yeah. Uh, has to be, has to be. Uh, so I would, I would agree with, I would say Eric, uh, Hesser, Hesserer, uh, who's the writer who yeah. did arrival, which is a f- amazing movie, by the amazing way, amazing movie, uh, lights out, very popular, very, um, appreciated film. Mm-hmm. Um, bird box, another, Critically, like, you know, a lot of, it seemed like a pretty popular movie. I never saw it, but I know, I, I know there's people that are fans of it. I, I saw it. I, I, I didn't love it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and, and Hours. I never saw Hours, but it looks pretty cool. Um, it looks like a thriller with Paul Walker. Uh, father struggles to keep his infant daughter alive in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. I mean, that sounds pretty badass. I kind of want to see it. He did also write the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, the 2010 oh, remake. Now his, you got to bring that shit. Up. I, I know his his writing. I mean, he's working. He's prolific. That's good for him. But boy, oh boy, is it up and down. Now, granted, of course, we all know that that a lot of times writers will write a script and it just completely gets out of their hands when the movie comes out. But yeah, but you know, uh, I would say, dare I say, a very talented writer and very talented director, yeah. um, who clearly, and I've said it once, and I'll say it again, and I think it's important to to mention. Uh, fans of the original 82 version. So I think with that intention in mind, you're, you're, I think you gotta, for its faults, this movie has for the things this movie has that are considered like, you know, a miss. You got to remind yourself that, that these guys went in with the best intentions. Yeah. I think. And, and I do think it shows, and we talk about it a lot on this show, when you can f- actually feel the love from behind the, the camera. And, you know, I think it's it's here. And, and you know, I don't think that they hit a, a home run, unfortunately, but I don't think that it was through bad intentions that that happened. Um, you know, I, I we'll, maybe we'll get to the bottom of it. But like we said going in, um, I do think that there are more hits than misses here. So... Um, um, but do you want to dive in, buddy? Do you want to start chiseling our way in? Well, before we chisel through that ice, I just have to say really quick uh, one thing. The producers uh, convinced Universal Studios to make a prequel uh, because they said that the original thing was perfect. Mm. And so it gets gives me a sense that Universal maybe wanted to do a remake. They may have wanted to just straight do a straight reboot remake, but the these producers were like, "Look, if you're going to do that anyways, let us do this. Like let us do it this way." And if that's the case, they made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. It sound I mean, 
again, I think. <laughs> Always the best intentions. I think this is pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it makes me like the movie even more. There yeah. you go. Agreed. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to dig deep into the ice of the thing. Doom, doom. Doom, doom. Forty-eight hours ago, we found something quite remarkable. What'd they find? There's a structure. In Antarctica? And a specimen. Really? Touching down. This is Kate Lloyd's Columbia Paleontology. Let me show you why you flew 10,000 miles. We estimate it's been here 100,000 years. I'm going to take a tissue sample. Do you really think that's a good idea? Yes, I do. You, my friends, will all be immortalized as the people who made this discovery. Cheer that. seems everyone is fine. Either someone miraculously healed themselves, or someone is not who they say they are. What was it doing to him? It's imitating his cells. I think this thing copies its prey and then hides inside it. What are you saying? Not all of us are human. Could be any of us. We can't let this thing leave. If it makes it out of here, millions of people could die. dude how much do you love seeing that original universal logo as much as i love the original font used in the credits opening <laughs> right? credits dude i'm like oh okay yeah i'm cool i'm cool with this i'm yeah. cool with this it's so awesome freaking love it um the great way to start great way to start the movie right totally. there sets sets the tone uh, movie starts with the camera flying over the ice of antarctica the card title card says Antarctica Winter 1982. We get the familiar John Carpenter music cue as we see a snow cat drive over the barren waste. All right, side note, real quick, guys. Uh, the vehicle that has like big treads on the side and it's very boxy. I called it a snow cat. That seemed right. It seemed like something that would come from G.I. Joe. And I mention it a million times in this because they're in it a lot. And I don't know what it's actually called, but it's a truck thing that has treads and it goes across the snow. I call it a snow cat. I called it that too. So we'll oh, call it a snow cat. Maybe, maybe I'm right. I don't know. Well, <laughs> okay, all we need cool. is Ella cool to, Ella, all we need is Ella cool J to jump in right now and go, don't call it a snow cat. <laughs> 
actually didn't see where that was going. I was like, where's this going? Oh, oh. no. He nailed it. He landed that. I did. <laughs> Good job, buddy. You're like, I did. I did land that. Oh, God. Good and I didn't one. even prepare it. It was all improv. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh. Take that, Morgan Creek. <laughs> That was a good one. That really made me laugh. Thank you. Uh, we, like I said, we... The rest uh, of the time, I don't make him laugh. It's forced. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, oh. Um, all right. So, inside the snowcat, we see three Norwegians. Two in the front. Uh, one in the back listening to a signal on the radio. In the front is Peter and Lars. Um, it, Lars is driving it. Uh, Peter starts telling him a joke. He goes, uh, a man and a woman are making love one night when their young boy walks in. Unfortunately, Lars interrupts and asks Olev in the back, who's on the radio, if they're going in the right direction. Olev says the signal is getting stronger, so keep driving. Peter continu- continues his story. The boy is horrified. He runs out of the room crying. The mother says, what should we do? The father says, I'll handle this. <laughs> he walks out of the room, goes in, opens his son's door. There inside is little Sven on top of his grandma, just giving her the business. I love how he says giving her the business, going up and down, up and down. And the boy turns around and looks at his father and says, not so funny when it's your mom, is it? <laughs> I actually <laughs> like that. <laughs> Oh, that's a great way to start the movie. It is. And, you know, Lars laughs. Peter laughs. It's it's, it's funny. Um, Olev tells them to stop. Uh, they're right on top of the signal. They're kind of sitting there for a second. And then just then the ice breaks and they the, the whole snowcat falls into the crevasse sort of face down. Uh, and as it's falling, it gets stuck there. So it's like pointing face down and they have the lights on and everything. And, you know, they're fine. They're not dead or anything, but, but they're looking downwards but looking through their front windshield and the lights illuminate the entire ship and then the title card comes in with the thing it's a great opening it really is a great opening uh very, I was very exciting and dynamic yeah i was excited i was shocked uh, great way to introduce the ship and uh yeah it was really intense i was like oh man i was i was captivated i was riveted well, and it also helps that the the three actors, you know, three characters, whatever, like we, right away, I'm like, oh, who are these guys? I like their energy, especially Peter and Lars. Yeah, and I pre- and I also appreciate that they're not throwaway characters; that you're going to see them again because oftentimes in in the beginning of a movie, they'll kill off. I think of like yeah. in the Jurassic Park movie where you know mm-hmm. uh, they kill off a bunch of people in the beginning and, and just to set the stage. Like, like, no, these guys actually are are important to the story. Dare I, dare I say there's probably no throwaway characters in this entire movie. If you were going to put that label on anybody, it would probably be Carl, uh, the guy with glasses. You don't really see him too much. The one that Juliet eventually kind of skewers. Um, he's probably the least one, but... Even him, like, uh, he felt like a part of the team. And like you said, they're in this entire movie, there feels like no, it feels like every character is important to the, the story and to each other. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. Cut to Kate Lloyd examining, like, uh, an ancient mummified saber-toothed tiger with, like, this internal camera thing, which I actually thought was kind of cool. It was a cool segue to go from looking down the tunnel of the ice to, like, looking down the tunnel of the inside of the, the mummified saber-toothed tiger. 
And she's also listening to Who Can It Be Now uh, by Minute Work. Yeah, I love that too. That was great. And I looked, I was like, oh, let me go double check. Came out in 1981. So I was like, hey, there we go. Good job, guys. Perfect. Um, Adam Finch comes in and interrupts her examination, asks if she forgot about their meeting. She said she did. Uh, Adam introduces Kate to Dr. Sander Halverson. Dr. Halverson wants Kate on his team because she specializes in vertebrae paleontology and she has examined specimens removed from the ice before. Kate says she's worked on cold weather digs before as well. Dr. Halverson says that an old colleague from Oslo has a geological research station in Antarctica and 48 hours ago his team found a structure and a specimen in Antarctica. That's all he can tell her, and he needs her needs an immediate answer from her whether she's going to go with him or not to Antarctica, like right now. And she agrees that she's in. You know, part of me is like, I, I could see people going, oh, come on, she's a knee-jerk reaction. She wouldn't have done that. No, she would have, because if the opportunity to, uh, the, 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 the find of a lifetime is presented at your feet and you got nothing to go, and you got, you know, nothing holding you back, then go for it. I mean, she did look surprised when he said structure, and she was like, oh, okay, and specimen. I mean, yeah. I, I think he told her two things that really, as a scientist, she's like, oh, okay, this I'm clearly a part of something big and important and immediate. Well, I think that's something you often say on a first date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although neither of us freaking remember because it's been so goddamn long ago at this point, and hopefully will never happen again. <laughs> hopefully, and I never did. Cut to a helicopter flying over the Antarctic. Carter and Jameson are flying. Uh, Carter being Joel and Jameson being Adewale. Um, he's uh, Carter's the pilot. Adewale or Jameson is the uh, the co-pilot. In the back, Kate, Adam, and Griggs and Doctor Halverston are back there. Uh, Griggs is sleeping, which is kind of funny. Carter looks back and tells Kate to put on her headset. He kind of taps to his cans on his ears. And uh, tells her to put her headset on. And uh, he says he can't get a hold of a newspaper that's any newer than, like, a few months. And if she knows anything about the Cavaliers and how they're doing, Kate says she doesn't follow football. Carter's like, Cavaliers is a basketball team. <laughs> and kind of fades away. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's it's good little connection stuff. Yeah, it's, you know? it's character building. It's, I, yeah. I appreciate it. Hey, do you remember the Cavaliers? They're not around anymore, right? Oh, the like, Cavs? I think the Cavs are still are around. They? Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I used to have – I was never a fan of their of that team. Where are they from? What, what is that? Cleveland. Cleveland Cavs. So I assume then that means that, he, that Carter is probably from Cleveland, right? That's yeah. what the assumption is? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I would have liked to have seen him wearing a Cavs hat. But that's yeah, 82. Right? Maybe they didn't have Cavs, hat back, Cavs hats back then. Carter then tells them that whatever they're doing, they should wrap it up in a few days. A storm is coming in. And then the helicopter arrives at the base. Dr. Halverson and his team are greeted at the helicopter and told that they are to head directly to the site. Dr. Halverson, Kate, and Adam are driven to the dig site by Lars and another snowcat. At the dig site, there's a giant hole in the ground, and they make their way into the depths. Now, we're all expecting the ship to be uncovered at this point, right? But no, it's not. It's not. They play with our expectations in this film of, of how we know it's going to end. And it's in one of the fun things about this movie is seeing how the pieces do eventually line up. Yeah, the uh, the, the scene where they go in the cave is beautifully shot. Uh, the, yeah. 
that j the first entrance so you can tell like the rest of it's on a set but this 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 feels authentic and really 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 stunning it's i think it was filmed up in british columbia and yeah i think that's a real like glacier cave or something yeah. and by the way the cinematography in in this film i think is very well done yeah yeah and dare i say i know i know we'll get to it in, in a little bit but uh you know C the cgi part of it is like unfortunately this is 2011 this is this yeah. is not this is not 1982 and this is a, a sad state of what you know big budget movies do nowadays there are hardly any big budget movies that use practical effects anymore it's just not cost effective so you yeah. gotta gotta just like let go of that and say okay well let's make the most of it you know it's not yeah. it's not those shitty ass squibs and uh uh you know rob zombie movies that you know where you can see the like, blood's like off the camera or whatever yeah. <laughs> uh it, it's it is what it is you gotta let it go you know in my yeah. opinion yeah, and, and, you know, like you said, it's 2011. It's not 2021. Uh, I think CGI nowadays is a lot better. Um, but we'll, we'll t I have some thoughts on it, and I do think that they utilize some things very well with the CGI yeah. uh, to create a more dynamic and, and energetic uh, creature than we saw in, in the original movie. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get yeah. to it. But I do agree with you. The, the, the outdoor photography is beautiful. And then like the cave photography here, like, as you said, it looks, it looks very natural, but obviously when they get to the ship, it's, it's, it's clearly a set, but here it looks natural and it looks fucking beautiful. Yeah. So they make their way down the, the cave that we were just talking about and below they meet, they meet Edward Hol Holner. Uh, the head of the base and his research team. Uh, they meet at the bottom of the cave. Uh, Dr. Halverson, Kate, and Adam are in introduced to Edward, Carl, and Juliet, who are both geologists. Um, it's weird because Carl later seems like he's doing double duty as medical guy, but he, but Edward does say that they're both geologists yeah. here. Maybe he's maybe he's just a genius. He went to like geology school and freaking medical school. Smarty pants. <laughs> Too bad he's not smart enough to run later, but we'll yeah, we'll get no there. Uh, Ed, Edward takes them down to the UFO. It's still covered by ice, unlike we see in the original movie. I put in parentheses that will be resolved later. Uh, Edward says that the signal must have been started when the survivor exited the craft. Cut to the top of the cave, and the team is standing around the alien body locked in ice. Dr. Halverson asks Kate how long it will take to get it out. Kate says if they have the right tools, maybe a day. Back at the base, Kate and the rest of the team are formulating a plan to extract the alien. Kate meets the rest of the Norwegians and asks about Lars. He doesn't speak English, by the way. So the entire movie, Lars doesn't speak English. And I, and I just want to interrupt you because I think I... I... I, we already passed over the scene, sure. but when they initially fly into the base, mm -hmm. I don't know if you picked up on this and I, and I kind of, I watched it a couple times and I'm curious to get your opinion on it. The base looks like the shape of the original alien ship. It's like the outline of the alien ship. Oh. In my opinion, that's what the base looks like. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I don't know if that was intentional or not. It just looks like that, that kind of, a U shape with a hook. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, and there are some other, you know, alien references later that we're going to discuss. So yeah, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually by design, yeah. dude. So good, good eye, man. Thanks. Good eye on that one. Thank you. 
well, they're back at the base anyway, so <laughs> you didn't really jump back at all. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, back at the base, she's meeting everybody. Um, Adam and and so yeah, we talked about Lars. Um, Adam and Henrik speculate why the creature would leave the ship. Maybe it was hurt and looking for someplace warm. Uh, cut to nighttime. Everyone is asleep, but Kate and Juliet. Kate is standing sort of by the bunk beds, uh, looking out the window and looking at the stars and says, I'll never look at them the same again. I like that. It gives them a little bit of a moment to con- contemplative pause. Yeah. Cut to the next day, and we see the team bringing back a giant slab of ice to the base. Inside the base, everyone is standing around the block of ice. We recognize this uh, set as the place that Mac is going to find the block of ice later with with the doctor. Which doctor was that, by the way? It was Mac and um, the one with the nose ring, wasn't it? The one with his hands bitten off? Yeah. Forgot what his name was real quick. But, um, yeah, so they're the ones that examine the the base. But, yeah, we recognize this space, and we're curious to see how it's going to turn into what it's eventually going to turn into. It's very cool. It's very cool to see these sets. What and and I was reading the backstory. They were very uh, intent on making this look as authentic to the original as possible, down to like getting Kurt Russell's measurements because they didn't have a blueprint of the original set. So they used like Kurt Russell's oh. height as a gauge. Yeah, and yeah, and and to find out where the axe would be on the wall yep. and everything. Yeah, they they talked about how they almost had to like forensically deconstruct the original movie to figure out how to line this story up and where the pieces needed to be. And honestly, that's the thing that they did the best was make this movie line up with the other movie and, and have every, nothing is sort of like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Everything fits in my, uh, you know, assessment. Yeah, of it. totally. So now everyone's standing around the block of ice. Dr. Halverston wants to drill a hole in the ice and take a tissue sample, but Kate warns against it. Dr. Halverson takes Kate aside and tells her not to contradict him again. She's there to, to get, she's there to get that thing out of the ice. Nothing more. Um, I like this little scene, by the way, I didn't think Dr. Halverston was a dick or anything. I thought he had, he, he said what he had to say. He, you know, I, I liked it. I like Dr. Halverston. Back at the block of ice, Carl drills into it while Jonas is videotaping it and everyone else is watching it. Kate is kind of guiding his his drill bit in, kind of telling him to go further, further, you know. He sort of slips and punches through, and Carl hits tissue with the drill bit and then pulls it out. Adam then pulls the tissue sample from the uh, drill bit and puts it into a Petri dish. I want to say, too, that that scene is is uh, very tense because the the way they cut back and forth between the the drill going into the ice and you know part of me is like oh man it's just like they're so stupid that they're doing this because we all know what's going to happen but they have yeah, no clue we know they what's have coming no clue yeah yep that's yeah i know i know and that's always the the problem uh with it oh and by the way uh uh when i was watching the behind the scenes uh someone mentioned that this movie has like a a melancholy vibe to it because we as a viewer know we're watching ghosts. Like we know that they're pretty much not going to make it from get the get go. And it kind of, I do think that it informs your feelings of the film and does give it kind of a, of a sad melancholy vibe to it. 
But not right now, though, because right now they're celebrating in their rec room. <laughs> and by the way, I love this fucking song that they sing. So, yeah, this is I Gotcha by Joe Tex. And uh, I gotcha. Uh-huh. Huh? Uh-huh. You never did see me now, did you? Uh-huh. Huh? So was it, that, wasn't that in Reservoir Dogs it, also? It was. And then I looked it up and apparently uh, uh, Tarantino has said that Reservoir Dogs was heavily influenced by the thing. And if you think about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That, which is pretty wow. cool. Right. And so you're right. I like that. And, and I feel like this song is kind of perfect for the movie. Like I gotcha. Right. The thing's got them. Yeah, and then it made yeah. me go back to uh, Who Can It Be Now by um men at work that song is all about you know paranoia and people knocking at your door and it's pretty cool i I didn't even put that together and i mean i know that song i know who can it be now like like very well and i didn't even put that together that's that's perfect i know both both very smart choices very smart choices very smart choices and by the way thank you for that tidbit of information about reservoir dogs and the thing i can totally see that that's and i and it's one of those things where you're like oh like you you wouldn't have put it together unless someone told you but then when they tell you you're like okay yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah, it's crazy it's crazy i love it yeah me too dude that's cool thank you thank you for that bro i'm here for um (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Halverston kind of stops the party to tell them that he can say without a shadow of a doubt that he has never seen anything like the specimen that they have. Um, and I love that fucking Lars fucking interrupts and yells in, in Norwegian, we found a fucking alien. Cheers. Yeah, and that. then, dude. And then this is when they start singing this like Norwegian song. And bro, because I had I've watched this, you know, twice in the past two days. I was like, dude, I was dancing when they were singing it. And every time I watched it, I was like, this is a cool fucking song, man. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. So far up to this point, I'm like, I'm I'm on board 100 percent with this movie. Me too. Me too. I am fully in, fully invested at this point. Carter and Kate are sort of drinking and and Kate asks uh, uh, for something better. Carter sends Griggs out to the helicopter to get the captain's stash. Uh, Griggs puts on a coat and goes outside to the helicopter. Jonas comes out of the bathroom and is about to go to to the party, but he kind of gets a feeling and and decides to, to go check on the alien on ice. We have a nice little tense scene of him looking at it and like really up close with the, the ice and everything you're waiting for it to just blast out and grab him or something. But fucking Peter yells boo and scares the shit out of him. Scared the shit out oh, of me, me too. too dude. I jumped. I jumped. <laughs> no, dude. By the way, I was high as fuck the first time I watched this movie. And uh, yeah, maybe not the smartest idea because I was freaked out like a motherfucker. Uh, yeah, not a good call film. on a movie no. like this. <laughs> Not a good call. And then what? And then like the like sometimes I was watching. I was like, oh yeah, I can see that guy like looking weird. And then like the next time I watched it, like sober, I was like, oh no, that actor just blinked. Like yeah. <laughs> here yeah. I was, like all like he's the thing, man. <laughs> but fucking Peter, man, scared the shit Peter out of man. Jameson. Peter, man. Oh man. And uh, so Peter's laughing, you know, giving some shit about it and everything, and. Uh, he leaves, and then Jameson is walking away, and I jumped the second time. The fucking creature explodes out of the ice and shoots straight up through the ceiling. Um, I didn't see, honestly, I didn't see that coming, really. I didn't either. I, I was, like, shocked. I know they kept cutting back and forth to show that it was melting, 
and, yeah. and to, to elude that it was going to get out. But how was it going to get out? And that yeah. block of ice, you know, it, it's in the set, it's in the 82 version. Uh, yeah. And so it, I thought, well, shit, well, it makes sense because, you know, busts the hole through the ceiling. So everything around mm-hmm. is cold. So it's going to stay yeah. cold. Yeah, because they had to they had to figure out okay the in the original version there's a hole in the ceiling yep. the ice is there but it's also the ice is like caved outwards you know so yeah I, I thought it was great I didn't see it coming it. scared the shit out of me so so again good job director twice like two jump scares in within like one minute yeah. within like sixty seconds and that's really damn good to truthfully so great Jameson comes running back to the party. And to tell them it broke out, they kind of don't believe him at first, but he, he uh, persists, and they all go to check out the empty block of ice and stare at it in disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, Edward and Dr. Halverston direct everyone to split up into groups of two and three to kind of search the base very carefully. As everyone is searching in teams, Carter, Jameson, and Griggs check out the helicopter. Carter asks Griggs if he left the helicopter door open when he got the captain's stash, but Griggs doesn't remember. They check the helicopter. It's kind of tense, but nothing really happens with it. Adam and Edward and Dr. Halverson check the dog kennel, but only find the fence ripped open and blood everywhere. Dog's gone. Henrik and Olive are around back, and they're kind of, uh, by the way, most of the buildings are on stilts, like a little bit of stilts, like maybe like, what, about four feet off the ground yeah. type of thing? Yeah. Um, so they all have like little crawlways and everything. So they're searching around. They think they hear something, and they look under the building, and they see the thing. It's there. It's looking gross. It's looking crazy. And they're like, oh, my God, we got to go tell everybody. The, uh, Henrik looks like turns his back to the creature, looks at Olav. And when he does that, the creature shoots out this tentacle, this barbed tentacle. So it goes through his back, comes out the front, shoots Olav in the face with blood. But when it shoots forward, it, it opens up so that it can pull Henrik backwards. Yeah, like an umbrella. And, yeah, and it looks fucking painful. It looks scary as shit. I thought this was hella cool. Um, and he fucking fucking sucks basically Henrik backwards under the 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 building. And you know Hendrix is like holding on, screaming, and Olive is just watching the thing, and and he just sucks him right in, and just basically starts chomping on him uh, essentially. Yeah, and I, uh, Ol- I know these. I know this thing at this point is is CGI. I don't have a problem with it. It looks really cool, and it reminds me a little bit of like Resident Evil. Uh, a little bit of that kind of effect, you know, these mutated things, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with it, you know, because it, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of can go in one of, uh, it can kind of go in any direction. Originally, apparently this movie had a different kind of ending, which alludes that the, the ship itself was not the home of the thing, but rather a carrier of the thing. Yeah, we're, we're we're gonna get to that. Okay. We'll get to okay. that. I I've, I have I have information. I have things, and yeah, we'll get. So to that. my 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 whole point in bringing that up is like when we see this thing initially, we don't know if that's actually what it looks like. Like if that's what right. it is, or did it just already assimilate? For all we know, this thing right here that we're seeing is its most normal form. Yes, we don't. We have no clue. You yep. know, and uh, and it's it's and it's cool because this one is very insect like. 
which is makes it very different from the other ones later because the other ones later are more human based but this one right here has no humanity to it whatsoever and that makes it completely foreign looking and that's really yeah cool. very cool olev yells obviously and everyone comes running uh, they start shooting it, basically, because they see freaking Henrik's legs just sticking out of it as it's eating it, you know. So they start shooting it up. It busts upwards into the building above it. They throw down some gas. They throw down some gas cans, all, you know, basically get ready to light it up. And they throw a flare, and they blow the whole fucking building up, burn it, uh, the creature included, and they rush in to put the fire out. So this goes back to my original questions I've had. And I think in both the thing movie and the comic book, when they set these things on fire, just let them burn. Just let it burn. Why do they, just why, why are they burn. always like so eager to put them out? You know? And the only thing I would push back here is that they do not know yet that every single cell is a, a, you know, true dangerous thing. You Fair know? enough. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, especially when they open it up later, it's in, in a few seconds, it's still, it seems very not charred on the inside, Which you know, make... and all of that seems like could be very dangerous. Yes, exactly. Back inside the base, Carl is examining Olive. Everyone else is contemplating what happened. Uh, they're in the, the wreck area and, uh, about what, you know, and what, you know, happened in, the, in their feelings for for henrik and everything found out he had like two kids and whatnot he also had the hairiest eyebrows that i'd ever seen the bushiest motherfucking eyebrows in the entire world the guy who played henrik maybe that's why they got rid of him first <laughs> no, no room for your eyebrows like, on this show you look too 1982 we need 2011 yeah. He's like, no, but I, I grew my eyebrows out to be more, you know, akin to the time. He, he normally, he watch, watch the guy normally, like, have perfectly, like, groomed eyebrows, but you let him grow out. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know what they talk like there. I know. I know. Um, so everyone's talking about what happened. Uh, Dr. Halverson urges them to still examine the body for the sake of science, you know. Uh, obviously, someone, you know, on their team is lost, but they are still scientists. Uh, someone in the crowd says to destroy the creature completely. Uh, Carter says Olav is in pretty bad shape, and they are going to fly him to a military hospital. The doctor asks what he's going to tell them. Carter says he'll tell them the truth. The doctor tells Edward they are running out of time. He says it in Norwegian, so no one else can understand. Uh, Edward tells Peter and Jonas to bring the alien body inside. So let me ask you something, buddy. When he says we're going to take him to a military base, did he mean Outpost 31? Or was that where he was going to take them? Well, they, they mentioned the Russian base later on. They do mention the Russian base later. So makes me wonder if they meant the Russian base. Okay. But that was also a lie, possibly, too. Ah, the thing. <laughs> nah, no one trusts any information that comes out yeah, of anybody's point. mouth. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, okay, sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. In the medical bay, the charred creature with Henrik's legs sticking out. That's I was I thought that was a really cool shot because like it's the the creature's just like it's you know like a typical insect. Its legs are kind of curled up and everything, but the maw, the mouth is down below, and all you see is his two feet sticking out. And it's a it's freak it's a freaky visual because you know feet and boots are such a very human thing, and so sticking out of of his of that creature's mouth, it's just a reminder that. It tried to eat a person. I mean, it did, but then they killed it. 
Yeah, and also this is practical effects at this point. Yeah, which is great. Yes, and it looks really good. Especially when they get yeah, especially when they get to uh to Hendrix's actual body. Yeah, totally. Um, Doctor Halveston asks. Uh, so it's on the examining table. Doctor Halveston asks Kate to help him pull the creature's body open, body cavity open. This scene sort of reminds because we have flashbacks of uh, Starship Troopers and when they were in school and high school oh, at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, and this is cool. This is super fucking cool. Inside the creature, they find Hendrix's body encased in like an embryonic sack. They, when they cut it open, we see it's his face, and it's kind of like translucent. You can like see his teeth and shit, dude. Like, how cool was that? Yeah, it's really, really creepy looking. And in fact, in in a weird way, it reminded me. Like at this point, I flashed into, oh, this movie's already better than Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you prometheus i hate that fucking movie <laughs> but but if you think about it it's the same idea prometheus is a prequel you know and and so they, they were trying to chart new that like you would you would think that they had the best intentions in that as well and i'm looking at this and i'm like okay so we're 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 breaking new ground by showing this really cool special effects now uh, in in 2011, practical, really cool practical special effects. They're doing it right. I'm I've got no yep. complaints up to this point. Zero yep. complaints. I'm I'm with you 100. Uh, percent Juliet is in there and she kind of gets sick and has to leave the examination room. She goes into the hall outside and runs into Griggs. Griggs asks if she's okay. She says she's fine and runs down the hall away from him while he sort of watches. Um, I'm guessing she's going to the bathroom, and and we know what sort of will happen later, and we'll get to that. Back in the examination room, they're still dissecting the alien, and then Kate finds a metal plate in there. She picks it up. Love this. And she's looking at it. She's like, what is this? Henrik, uh, she's told, Henrik broke his arm the year prior, and that's his plate. She's like, okay, you know, so everyone's assuming that the creature is, is digesting him. She goes, then why isn't the plate on his arm anymore? Because you can actually see his arm. So we know, because we know the thing, we're not actually looking at him being digested. We're looking at him being, like, transformed and digested at the same time. Like, I, I always take it that, like, yeah, he's te- once you take over one cell— you're sort of digesting it, but you're also replacing it with your cell and it looks like that cell, but it's still the creature, you know? So he's being digested and reborn at the exact same time. Yeah. And I love, I love this, this added addition as to what the thing can and cannot do. Cause they didn't, they didn't talk about that in the original or the 82. And, uh, it's really smart. It makes total sense. Yep. I love it too. I like this new thing that they're bringing to the table, uh, with it. Which it, it doesn't it doesn't change, eighty two. No, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't take anything away or change or anything like that. It just gives you a new piece of the puzzle. Yep. Cut to a little bit of time in a different room. Kate is looking at the tissue sample from the thing through a microscope. She looks shocked and tells Adam to take a look. We see through the microscope that the cells are still alive and are sort of attacking and imitating Henrik's uh, cells. Adam says, uh, you know, she says, don't, don't you see that? She says what it is. Uh, Adam says he's, he isn't sure what he sees, uh, but Kate says, no, it's it's imitating him. Yeah, and he, he, he bitches out. Like, he totally bitches out. Yeah. Later, yeah, he does. 
but he reminds me um, of a, of a like a a combination of characters from eighty two, just like whiny. Yeah, and and yeah, and and you know they did try to mess with expectations. Who you think is going to be the McCready character doesn't really turn out to be that way. So they did have fun like me- messing with your expectations on what character was going to be like the the and. Was an analog analogous, uh, you know, the carbon copy yeah. of the original. Yep. You know, there are none, and that's what's cool. That's what's cool. They didn't take the same formula and the same characters. The next day, Kate runs into Carter as he, Jameson, Griggs, and Olav prepare to leave for the military base. Carter says he'll be back as soon as he can. Uh, Olav looks like fucking shit, and and uh, you know he's just in shock, man. You know he saw his fucking friend get eaten. In front of his eyes. He's he's in a bad way. Olaf you know? looks like he got fucked by a truck berserker. berserker. Would you like to suck my berserker? berserker. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. I love Clark so fucking much, man. Oh, God. That literally instantly made me want to rewatch Clark's right there. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Good one, buddy. You're on fire know, tonight, I, my man. Don't even need to bust out Randy Cosby. <laughs> I know, I know. We've got some love for that on Instagram today. So, <laughs> oh, for Randy Cosby. <laughs> always, buddy. Oh. Always, baby. <laughs> I'm coming back. Um, you, I come. I'm coming back. <laughs> you think I'm one well, thing? I'm... I happen to be something else. You think I'm this lovable person on TV? But in fact, I'm a creepy predator. <laughs> so you are the thing, Randy yeah. Cosby. <laughs> Randy Cosby oh, has no. the thing. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> um, Kate goes to the bathroom and <laughs> on the floor. Again, yeah, okay, that was bad. Kate goes to the bathroom. Um, but on the floor, this is cool. This is another thing that I think is cool. Like we were saying, Kate finds four bloody fillings on the floor. Uh, metal fillings, like, uh, like, like silver fillings or whatever. She then, like, as she's, like, on the ground picking them up, she looks up and sees, you know, the shower looks like, you know, something's going on there. She opens that up, and it's bloody as shit in there. Uh, just then, the helicopter takes off. Kate realizes, and she goes running outside and signals them to land. She's, like, out there, you know, waving her arms, you know, and telling them and, and, and whatnot to come back down. Uh, Carter, he's flying it, like we said before, and he's, like, looking down. He sees Kate flagging them down in the air. Uh, Jameson tells Carter, just, let's just get the fuck out of here, man. And I'm like, I feel you, Jameson, buddy. I feel you. Carter says, fuck it. We're landing. Um, as they're landing, Olav says, uh, as they're landing, Olav asks Griggs if something is wrong. Griggs says it's probably fine and we'll be back in the air in no time. And this is a little bait and switch because Olav starts covering his face and shaking. Although we know it's in in fear just because he doesn't want to go back to that hellhole. Um, but we think it's we think he's going to turn into the creature, right? But the whole time Griggs is being supportive. Griggs, Griggs is being like everything's going to be A-OK. And then Myra pointed it out. I I agree with her. This is the best CGI effect in the entire film. Um, I loved it, the, just that first subtle shift when his face just shifted for just a little bit. It didn't even break apart just yet. It just kind of shifts. And then Griggs' entire fucking face breaks in half, and he starts, you know, doing the yell, the roar, 
you know, the, the thing yell. And then he stands up, his chest opens, and then a bunch of CGI tentacles shoot out uh, and attack all of. Uh, Kate and Edward are on the ground. They're on at the base. They're watching from the base as the helicopter goes down and crashes behind the mountain behind them. What did you think of the Griggs reveal? I don't think it was my favorite CGI part, uh, but it's it, part of me was like, okay, when did he get infected? Kind of thing, you know. I felt I think it, I think it, when he was out in the helicopter when it originally broke out, you know, oh. he was still out in the helicopter at that point. Okay, okay, okay. That, okay, I'm cool with that. Um, yeah, I, I I mean it was it was shocking. Um, it, it's a little it's for me it's like a little implausible. Uh, because because you know the helicopter goes off and crashes blah 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 but you know it to me i'm like well it's it's cool it's very cool i didn't mind the cgi tentacles i'm like it kind of expected it at this point i, I yeah. expect that in movies like this nowadays uh for it to be cgi heavy and so you know i, I was like man that's it's fine it's fine but it was shocking when his face splits open i'm just like oh shit you know yeah i didn't expect that uh, I did and I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, I loved it. It was great. I, I thought, it. yeah, I thought that was really cool. And it's it's a shame because I actually liked the Griggs character. So I did he I. Was, he was cool. He reminded me of this dude back in the day. There was a, uh, I forget what show it was. Maybe designing women. Um, oh no, you're thinking. Are you thinking of the painter from Murphy Brown? Murphy Brown. That's what it is. Her, her, her handyman or whatever. Yes, yeah. Who, he kind of, you're right. He kind of reminds me of that guy, but with shorter hair. Yeah. And that guy had like these, the, those like, uh, sunk, those sideburns, Robert Pastorelli, Robert Pastorelli, who, um, died at the age of 49. I think Jesus. he died of an overdose, heroin, overdose, oh. heroin oh. overdose. They found a syringe in his arm. Jesus. He's found by God. his, by his assistant. Okay, well, but on on a lighter note, isn't it funny that you said it reminds me of somebody from Designing Women, but yet I knew exactly who you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, like I, goddamn CBS TV shows. That's, that's <laughs> we, we were all forced to watch that shit. But he he also had he also kind of had the dark hair with like the the big lips. They both had those kind of like full him and Griggs. You oh know, yeah, had and, those full lips. That was that's where I was going with it. Oh like, yeah. yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, and he was in a bunch of cool movies back in the day too. So. He's good. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally reminds me of the, of that guy. And now he's gone. And, yeah. <laughs> but both of them. Literally. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> now I'm back to trauma on my end. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, back inside the base, uh, Colin is uh, Collins is trying to reach someone on the radio. Um, inside the main research facility area, the team is talking about what happened to the chopper and that they can't reach it over the mountains without essentially another chopper. Uh, Collins comes in and tells them they can't reach anything on the radio. Too much interference from the storm. Kate goes back into the bathroom and discovers that the shower has been cleaned. The, the bloody shower. It's not, it's not hard to clean a shower. It's called turning the water turn, on. And let it turn turn the out. water on. I know. <laughs> Uh, back in the main area, Edward and Dr. Halverson are debating uh, about what to do. The doctor doesn't want anyone else involved in this find, but Edward says they're beyond that now. They've lost four people in a helicopter. Um, he orders Collins and Lars to gear up and take a snowcat to the next base for help. Now, I think that is Outpost 31. Yes, yes, for sure. I think they would have. that's where they would have gone, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Kate comes in and tells them that that's not a good idea. No one should leave until they know more about the thing. She took a sample of Henrik's blood and she saw that the alien cells were still alive and copying Henrik's cells, replicating them. She says Adam saw it too. Adam says he said, and then Adam says he doesn't know what they saw or he saw. And this is when you were saying he kind of bitches out right here. Yeah. And I know it's to, to make you think that maybe he is the thing at this point. Yeah. And he even does like the, the, the windows look later on, which is very reminiscent of windows that kind of sell in where he's like looking his head's down, but he's looking up kind of thing. Windows being Thomas Waits, Thomas G. Waits. And if you haven't listened to that interview on our Patreon, (laughs) you should check it out. Sincerely, it's really good. It's really good. Thomas G. Waits is a stand-up dude. Cool dude. Very cool dude and a very fun And COVID survivor, which is a really cool story. Yes, yes. Thank freaking God. Juliet asks uh, what she's saying. She's like, what are you saying? Kate says that that. She's Kate says that the thing has probably replicated a person at this point. Everyone is now in disbelief. Dr. Halverson tells Kate, this is no time to yell fire. Let's discuss this in private. Another little like, is he a yeah. thing or not a thing? Cause he's let's discuss right. this in private. Uh, then Kate pulls out the bloody fucking fillings, throws them on the table. She says it can clone cells, but not inorganic material. So it spits these so out. Great. Uh, she, that's that's a cool fucking idea. She tell and, and also like we said earlier, it's it's a cool idea that doesn't contradict anything nope. and actually makes fucking sense and was probably the case in the original movie too. They just didn't yep. say it, yep. you know? Totally. She tells them that when she went back to the shower, somebody cleaned it up cleaned up all the blood, and whatever did that is still here. Edward says he's heard enough and tells Lars and Collins to get their gear. Kate pleads with them, uh, but no one listens. They all leave the room except for Kate and Juliet. Juliet tells Kate that she thinks she saw Collins coming from the shower. She's kind of like whispering it to her and everything. Collins like looks over and he's like, what are you talking about? You know, Uh, she says uh, he was holding something, maybe a towel or a rag. Uh, Kate says that they can't let Collins go with Lars. Juliet says she knows where they keep the keys to the vehicles. Juliet then takes Kate into this little side storage room area and tells Kate the keys are in a desk drawer. As Kate's like back is turned to Juliet and she's looking through the drawer, she asks how many keys are there. She's like, oh, you know, there should be five of them. She only counts four. And she realizes that, uh-oh, uh-oh, something bad's about to happen because she starts hearing noises. And we see over her shoulder, Juliet start changing into the monster. Now, this this I thought was super cool, and I want to talk about some things here. One, the filmmaker said that they wanted you to see on Juliet's like face that she, the person, Juliet, was still aware of, or was aware of like what was happening to her body, but couldn't control it. Meaning she was still sentient as the creature took over her body. And that's always been my fear as to like, when are you aware that you're the creature or you're not aware that you're the creature, you know? And so, and so I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. But then my thought is the creature attacked the shit out of her, right? Obviously. It didn't smallly infect her. It, it Griggs tacked the shit out of her in the shower, so there's blood everywhere. 
I'm thinking that her body, that this body that we see is 100% the thing, okay? But I still think that this applies because I think that its mimicry is so perfect that it can even mimic Juliet being terrified of her own transformation and maybe even draw on the memories of Juliet, but I don't think that there's any Juliet actually there. What are your thoughts on that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it it, it absorbs your body. Um, but maybe it, it it absorbs your body, but it but your brain, but it if it also absorbs your brain and the tissue and the nervous system, then it is absorbing all your memories and emotions. So that would make sense that it would be painful. Yeah, I could I could see that that it would be painful and necessary at the same time. Because what what freaks me out the most about the thing, and I mentioned it in our original episode. It's like, Zach, you and I could be together, and you could be the thing, I could not be the thing. And I could be like, why can't I talk to you and be like, just talk to me, like, you know what I mean? Like, but no, it doesn't know how to. It's only mimicking you yeah. down to your responses, down to everything. But there, I don't think that there's ever cognizant thought. It's just mimicry at all points yeah, in time. Yeah, no, I think so. I agree. Yeah. And so this brings me to the, the next point that I wanted to mention. So Juliet transforms really cool. Like it's like her body is a mouth and she comes running at um, uh, Kate. And so moving forward, every bit, like all the thing stuff in this movie, like that's actually an actor there dressed up as the thing, but they do like a layer of CGI, like, because, you know, the actor has their head sticking out of the middle of the suit. You know, they have to get rid of that. There's like a layer of CGI on it that gives it this weird fakeness to it. But one thing that I applaud the filmmakers for is that, okay, if you're going to do CGI, I love the fact that they made the thing much more nimble than they ever made it in the original movie because they just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like some things you just can't do or just too hard yeah. to do. Um, so I'm like, I like the fact that they're like, okay, if we're going to use CGI, then let's at least do something different. And now let's make it much more fast, nimble, and actually moving a lot more than I think it ever did yeah, before. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I think it's cool. I mean... It's it, you know, they did it with the zombies in Dawn of the Dead. They did it with, uh, you know, when if you think about when you're when you're subjected to uh, constraints of practical effects, moving things around, it's harder, obviously. But then is is when you move on to CGI, you can do whatever the hell you want. And so, yeah, make it faster. It is it, it's attacking. So it would hopefully have more cat like reflexes. Yeah, and I weirdly I thought it was freakier having the Juliet creature run at her versus like just shooting yeah. tentacles. I was like, that's freakier. Yeah. No, they're not, and they're not all the same, too. Yeah, exactly. They're they're very different. Every, every thing creature is very different in this, which is fun. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I feel like they make a lot of fun yeah, choices here. Um, Kate's so Kate kind of dodges her, knocks over a uh, uh, you know, knocks over a shelving unit on the creature, dodges her, makes it out of the storage room. This is when she starts running down the hall. Then poor Carl just kind of steps out of his office, like, What's all What's the commotion going on about? Out here, huh? <laughs> What's this happening hey. out here? She fucking just she fucking blasts past him. She's like, Run, but I'm like, Don't knock, just come, huh? <laughs> 
it. Hey! <laughs> but I'm like, grab the guy or something, you know what I mean? So, like, of course, he doesn't budge. He's just like, what's this bitch doing, you know? He turns around and fucking Juliet thing is comes running out of the closet and just fucking impales him, man. Just lifts him up in the air with her with her blade arms or whatever and just messes him up. Uh, Kate gets to the other side, like, of the hallway. There's, like, another door. It's like a... It's like a T hallway, but yet there's a door at the T um, leading to, like, other areas. Um, she goes in there, and, and she closes the door behind her. Just then, Adam and Jonas run up next to her, asking her what happened. They can hear the commotion from the next room of Carl getting attacked. Uh, just then, Lars comes running in with the flamethrower. This is one of the few times where I'm like, why is he wearing a flamethrower right now? Like, what would, like, you know what I mean? Like, no one called for it or whatever. Like, why did he have it on there? But, oh well, right? Yeah, well, didn't didn't they earlier shoot at the thing? Uh, initially, they shot it with bullets. That was, that was the night, yeah, that was the night, but yeah, so he, he but like, why is he wearing the flamethrower now? You know, yeah. like, I get why he would get it, but he comes running in with it. Whereas in the original movie, they yell, you know, Mac wants the flamethrower. Mac wants the flamethrower. Is that Cooper? Is you know? Cooper, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then, and then Child's goes Copper, and gets sorry, What Copper. do you mean, Mac wants Copper. the flamethrower? Copper. Oh, I think it was yeah, Dr. Copper. Copper that went to, uh, that went to, um, yes, the base. It, it was Copper. With Mac. With the nose yeah. ring. I think it was Copper. Yeah. Anyways, it doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Because it's Lars. Lars is the best, is my favorite character in the entire fucking movie. And if he's got a flamethrower, I am 100% on yeah, board. Cast with him it. as Blowtorch in the G.I. Joe movie. Yeah, just hopefully he doesn't get shot through the eye, you know? Like uh, like he does in, in the like he does in the nineteen eighty two sequel to this film. Exactly. <laughs> um so Lars comes up with a flamethrower. Uh and I like there's some cool camaraderie that he and Kate have in this movie. Even though he can't speak English, he listens to Kate. And I think that's really fucking cool. So he looks at her. He's like, all right, I'm like, he basically gives her like the I'm ready type of thing, you know? So she goes to reach for the door. Uh, she opens the door and the Kate, I'm sorry. And the Juliet thing, uh, he's, she's got a hold of uh, Carl and, uh, and, and she comes running after and, and Lars burns it. Uh, as he's burning it, the, the, the Juliet thing sort of walks past them and goes into the kitchen to try to put itself out on, on like with the, the vents or something. Uh, it looks like a sprinkler system that it tries to put itself out with. Uh, but Lars kind of just follows it in there and sprays it down with, with more of the flamethrower until it falls over on the floor and dies. And I mean, like, if you watch the behind the scenes stuff, like this is all done practically. There is a, a female stunt woman in the Juliet suit. I mean, she is covered in that gel shit that obviously won't yeah. burn. Uh, she's got a mask on and everything that they digitally remove later, but she is getting doused with fire by Lars. Now, one, one thing that I found even more interesting uh, in the behind the scenes stuff is that the flamethrowers were actually remote controlled by the crew, uh, by someone offset, so that like the, the trigger didn't actually work. That way, the, the actor couldn't accidentally spin around and, and flame everybody. And then there was another thing that I found super interesting that they developed this technique where um, you see parts uh, uh, where, where like uh, behind them there's fire and stuff like that. They developed this new technique where they create a, a, a pipe and shoot air down 
And so they create essentially a wall of air between the actor and the fire. And they even showed a test. Like you couldn't, you can't even shoot the flame of the flamethrower through the wall of fire. So I was like, and it's just air. So, you know, you can't see it regardless. And then the final thing that I learned, um, because you remember in Dawn of the Dead, the remake, there was that scene in the basement with the zombies on fire and everything. And that was back in the day when they had that, they started first started using that gel, you know, and, and I remember it like I remember seeing Dawn of the Dead in the theaters and be like, this is fucking amazing that you can actually set people on fire because they have that gel now. Uh, but apparently in this movie, um, when they were developing it, the whoever makes that gel has improved it from being able to basically withstand fire from like eight seconds to like wow. 20 seconds. I mean, that's fucking like huge. So that's why they were actually able to get a lot of shots of the creatures on fire moving and that's real. It's a real actor in there because of this new that's gel so cool. technology. Yeah. I do think that that fucking gel changed yeah. the game, dude. Because we saw in Savage Streets when she kills the main guy and he is in his... Like, he goes from, like, wearing a normal outfit to, like, a fucking... He, he gains 20 pounds of padding to the point where they has, like, a bag on his head that they just put his... Painted his face on it. I mean, like, come on. The gel is the one of the best things yeah, to ever happen Yeah, and, and people need to remember, too, like... And I, and I'm I'm definitely one of those people who loves practical versus CGI. But unless you have a strong budget and a really talented crew, uh, or you're Stephen Kostansky uh, with Psycho Gorman, you know, uh, crafting something remarkable, y- you know, a lot of times like CGI is the way you got to go with with this shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I never, you know what? One thing I, I always thought was a very practical one was the the CGI blood packets because, dude, like you could reset a shot right away. Whereas before, when you use squibs, you have to like clean the the outfit, clean the walls, all that kind of stuff. Here, you can do the same shot over and over again, just add yeah. the squibs later. That being said, I still love practical squibs, and Paul Verhoeven always had the best squibs. And that being said, uh, just make sure it's not like what Rob Zombie does in his movies. You can have him splatter the camera and shit. Or yeah. you're like, wait, that that is it on the guy's body or is it off the <laughs> camera? What's going on? I did, to, you, did you just watch something with Rob Rob Zombie thing? No, he was on. He did an interview on Howard Stern, which I respect Rob Zombie. I I like Rob Zombie, but I don't think he's that strong of a filmmaker. Yeah, I don't think I, I and I really like Devil's Rejects. I thought House of a Thousand Corpses was very meh. I think Halloween was meh. I think Halloween 2 is meh. I almost wonder if Rob Zombie would do a good collaborative effort with somebody because he's got a lot of good ideas. And I sometimes wonder if maybe he just needs somebody to help him, you know, rein them in or make them coalesce into something, you know? Agreed. Outside, they put the bodies of Carl and Juliet in a snow dug in the hole, kind of like how they burned them in in the original movie. Oh, it's totally an homage to the 82. Yeah. Uh, Lars sets them on fire. Uh, Peter asks, what the fuck is happening to us? Kate says, it attacks its prey, copies it perfectly, then hides inside it. Jonas asks if it's still among us. Uh, Kate says, it could be any of us. Kate says, it could be any of us. Kate says, it's like a virus. And what do we do with a virus? Adam says, we isolate it and we kill it. 
Dr. Halverston says they can test everybody by taking a sample of their blood and exposing it to the creature's blood and see if it reacts. He and Adam can do this. Kate says, says, okay. Uh, she and Lars will then go disable all the vehicles, all the snowcats. Um, they have to trust in this plan. And there's some conversations about leaving and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that that's what it kind of distills down to. Yeah, I love it. I'm like, oh, this is very timely. Quarantined. Yep. Yep. Virus. Very, yes, very timely. <laughs> Little did they know <laughs> 10 years prior. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do we do? We isolate it and we kill it. Uh, while Kate and Lars are in the garage disabling the snowcat, they're basically cutting the starter wires so no one can leave. Uh, Lars kind of takes her to the side and shows her a crate of grenades. Uh, Edward then walks in and says that they have to get inside because the storm is getting worse outside. It's kind of a weak scene to me because he's like, what are you guys doing? Everything okay? She's like, oh, everything's fine. It's very like awkward, cliche moment because he would have been like, what are you guys doing in here? You know, aren't you supposed to be disabling shit? Because they walk into the shed and then they don't cover the uh, the, the grenades back up with the tarp. They, I don't know if you noticed that. And I'm like, that's weak. Uh, that's also weak, but. Um, I do like that they were cutting all the cords on everything. That was cool. Uh, I like except the... it doesn't really help them. No, it doesn't, and it comes back later. I'm like, oh, it was pretty easy to put that thing back together. Yeah, but I know that's what I thought too. Whatever. <laughs> um, but I do a, pre- a for effort. I guess. I guess. But it, in in Lars reminds me, he's like the he's like what Clark could have been if Clark was cool in that yeah. in, in the thing. You know, because yeah. he has mm-hmm. the dog. He's partial to the dog as well um, mm-hmm. and has he's a big in stature, you know, quiet beard. Yeah. Clark could have been him. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I do think that they take these these templates and they're like, hey, let's make him a little Clark esque. But, you know, what what happened to Clark? He dies on ceremonious or whatever. Like, let's flip it. You know, I, I think they take every sort of archetype and sort of flip it, which is cool. Yeah, I, I dig that. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody, Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more. 
all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. As Lars, Kate, and Edward are making their way back to the base uh, from the shed, they look over and they see Carter and Jameson coming out of the darkness. They've been walking back from the crash site and are almost frozen. The rest of the group are there and they're holding them back via a flamethrower at at sort of at, instead of at gunpoint, it's at flame point, essentially. Uh, Peter's there and he tells them to to kill them, but Kate says uh, locking them up until the test is ready. You know they can do that anyways. Inside the lab, we see Adam and Doctor Halverston are working on the test. Adam looks over at the doctor with a very look on worried look on his face. In another building, Carter and Jameson are huddled around the heater while Lars is sort of aiming his flamethrower at them while Kate gives them something to eat and drink. Carter says that they need them. These scientists can't handle what they saw on the, cal- on the helicopter. Kate says it's pretty hard to believe anything human could walk back to the base after that crash. She says they are making a test to see who's who. Lars and Kate then lock Jameson and Carter in the shed. As they are walking back to the main building, they see it's on fire. It's an interesting. It's some good scene. stuff, you know. Some good, um, you know, homages to the original. Like no one could have survived that cold or whatever. You yeah, know? and and you got the dynamic. They're kind of almost alluding that this is like McCready and Childs a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, but it is interesting to me that Kate is like now the go-to you know, leader in, in a sense. Well, and, and even, even to the point where Edward says that later to Dr. Halverston, he goes, she's in charge. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, she does just kind of take over. She does. And, and she's only been there for like, you know, better part of a day or two. And I think, I think it's sold. And I know what you mean. You're like, okay, how, how could she just like, you know, all of a sudden just basically grab everybody by the horns. But I think it's sold by the fact that we see that Lars trusts her completely. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like everybody kind of respects Lars. Exactly, so, exactly. I get it. I so, mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's just an interesting thing where they just immediately kind of go, okay, sure, sure. But I guess I would mm-hmm. too if I if I saw what I had seen already at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're like, I, you're like, I've got no answers. Yep. If you sound like you got answers, I'll listen sure. to you. Um, inside we see that the medical lab is fully engulfed in flames Uh, Jonas and Peter put out the fire and regroup with everyone else Jonas says someone sabotaged the test all the samples are gone everyone starts fighting and bickering over who caused the fire fuck you Palmer (laughs) fuck you Palmer (laughs) Kate says that there might be another way they all gather into the meeting area I think it's the rec area Um, Kate tells Peter to hand her his flashlight and to tell Lars to open his mouth. Peter does, and Kate looks inside Lars's mouth and sees his fillings in his teeth. She says she knows Lars is human because it can't imitate inorganic material. Kate then opens her mouth and shows Lars her fillings. 
And I like how, like, Lars is not stupid. He puts together, he doesn't speak English, but he puts together what she's doing. Yep. And right when he sees it, right when she's kind of gives him a little bit of a look, he's like, cool. He immediately just stands right next to her. He's like, we're in this group yeah, now. I love it. You know? I love it. I mm-hmm. actually, uh, I, I I love this test. It makes, it's, it's a cool, you know, I love the blood test. Obviously, that's the best version. But, you know, and, and I, I appreciate that they didn't go down that road because they easily yes. could have. They probably could have been yes. like, what else can we could think of? Um, it's really freaking smart. It's a great device to uh, determine. And I love it. They even, and you're going to say it in a second, they even explain, well, what about people maybe who don't have any cavities? Oh. Or, or porcelain, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, there's too many variables, Dr. Halverston says. Well, um, but yeah, I, I'm with you because th- I think this scene is very tense because she's looking into their mouths and you're waiting for, some- for something to basically explode out of their mouth. Something akin to, like you said, the blood test in the original movie. And they play with that expectation here, but nothing happens. But I think this entire scene is tense. And even even the fact that like, the second time I watched it to break it down, I still found it to be tense, even though I knew nothing was ultimately going to happen. Totally. I, I was anticipating something totally erupting on her face. I... Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And I think they did a good job. <laughs> it didn't get past me, buddy. I, know I got it. <laughs> yeah. You handled it well. Up you know Sleazy C's going to catch that, buddy. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. So, all right. I wrote down all of everybody here. So, Kate checks Peter. Fillings, Jonas, Fillings, Adam, he says, so, so I'm going to get killed because I floss? <laughs> he's no, a, he's no such no a little fillings. punk. Wait, so I'm going to get killed because of my tiny nipples? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, his hair pisses me off. His, his like, you know, <laughs> you hate him, I, I hate his hair. It's, it's, that, I hate your hair. That's the other thing, too. His hair is not 1982. That, that hair is like Justin Bieber hair going on that i think that's another thing that bugs me he he out of all the characters in this definitely stands out with his owen wilson hey hey yeah he he looks he looks the most modern and you're right his hair is just his hair that he has now he they should have given it some kind of a style that was maybe more akin to 1982 yeah because because kate's hair has kind of at one point could be kind of passed as an 80s haircut yeah yeah, his yeah, is like I'm with you, dude. I'm not cutting. No, no, don't make not my beautiful blonde locks. I'm not cutting. I those. look like Patrick Swayze in Point Break. You're no, I'm I'm Owen Wilson standing. Wow, wow, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm Owen Wilson's nipple standing. Wow. <laughs> uh, so he's got no fillings. So so she kind of has to separate him. Um, Kate makes Adam stand to the side. Uh, she checks Dr. Halverston's next. He says he has porcelain fillings, and now he has to go to the side as well uh, by Adam. Uh, Kate then checks Collins, and he has no fillings. Um, and then Edward, she gets to Edward, and he just basically looks at her and just walks over to the non-filling group uh, and stands there. So now there's four of them over there. He's, he's the cliche evil boss, but... It's not, he's not, he's not cliche necessarily in a bad way, but he's like the typical, oh, this guy's the villain. He's the bad guy. You know, he's going to be the dick, yeah. but I'm okay with that because he, yeah. he, I don't know him as an actor. So I don't automatically go, oh, 
like Billy Drago in Delta Force 2. Oh, I've seen this guy right. before. Yeah. You know. I'm cool with it. But I it. agree he does he does sort of fit a uh, an archetype, a stereotype in this. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? For as much as they they spin everything on its head, it's sometimes nice to have an anchor point, a stereotypical anchor point. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Kate tells Jonas and Lars to go get Carter and Jameson and bring them in for the testing. This is when Edward says to Dr. Halverston in Norwegian that Kate is clever and now she's in charge. Clever girl. <laughs> Clever gal. And this is another moment that I like where Jonas is starting to like, Jonas tries to protest a little bit uh, about going to go get, you know, Carver and and Jameson. And Lars, I think, is like, what's going on? Like, he didn't really understand. He knew to go get, but he didn't understand what J- Jonas was saying. And Jonas was like, she's telling us to go get blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, then let's do it. Yeah. And he didn't say shit. And Jonas was like trying, like was expecting pushback. Yeah. But this is when I was like, oh no, fucking Lars just trusts her completely because I think the fact that Lars can't speak English, he can just see that she's in charge and she she's alpha. And he's like, yep, nope. Is that what she wants us to do? Yep. Let's go do yep. it. And Jonas was like, uh, all right, I guess that's what we're doing then. Yeah. You I know, I like that. Cool. Jonas and Lars go out into the shed, but Carter and Jameson escaped by digging under the floor, kind of pulling up the floor panels and digging under it. Yeah, because you were saying earlier there's, like, crawl space, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Exactly. Yep. Uh, Lars goes looking uh, for them while Jonas sort of is, like, lagging behind. Lars kind of, like, leaves the building quicker. Uh, Lars enters the next building over, and Jonas is kind of, you know, a few steps behind, even though he's sort of following him, but he sees... Lars getting grabbed by the Americans as he first steps through the door. And so Jonas just assumes that they got him and they're killing him. Yep. Back inside, Dr. Halverston is trying to talk down Peter, who is holding them at flamethrower point. He says the enemy isn't inside, it's outside. It's the Americans. Just then, Jonas starts pounding on the door to be let in. Kate goes and lets him in. And he tells them that Lars was taken by the American, by the Americans. Everyone start, starts arguing about what to do. Kate's telling Peter to, like, keep his keep the gun pointed on him. Like, none of this matters, you know. And it's just, it's chaos. It's cool. Good, good little chaotic scene. Um, and just then, the tension is broken by the sound of glass breaking in the next room. Very akin to the original, yep. original movie. Uh, Peter and the rest of them go running through the complex. So now, now, ironically, they're actually all banded together, you know, unfortunately. I'm like, well, your, your, uh, you know, A and B squad are, that that sucks. That's all thrown out the window. (laughs) Exactly. Everyone's contaminated now. (laughs) So they're running, they're running down the hall. Peter's basically on point and he rounds the corner with the rest of them behind him, and he sees Carter with a flamethrower, and Jameson's got a gun. Uh, Peter t- yells what happened to Lars. Carter yells and says, someone tell him to drop it. You know, he's like, tell him to drop it. Edward is now yelling at Peter. So so Edward, uh, Edward and the rest of the team can't actually, don't actually have eyes on Peter, uh, but there, he's a right around the corner. And of course, Edward is antagonizing. He's saying, don't listen to them. Fucking light them up. Burn them. Burn them. He's yelling to fucking burn them. Peter's like, all right, he goes to fucking burn them. And Jameson fucking pulls his gun. Pop, pop, pop. Puts three fucking pops right into Peter. Really fucking cool shot. Like one goes right through his fucking forehead and hits the, the gas can right behind him. Yeah. Fucking drops him. 
what makes fucking like insult to injury did you know that did you notice that before he explodes like he's on the ground like moaning like that headshot didn't kill no, him it didn't kill him that makes me sick to my stomach so Peter falls over moaning. Edward is, is you know, acts concern. He kind of is peeking over. And he's like, just let me check on my friend, you know. And, and of course, uh, Carter and, and Jameson, you know, they let him come and check on his friend. Uh, you know, they, they lowered their guns, essentially. And he's looking down at him, and he doesn't notice. But Jonas sees that gasoline is leaking from Peter's shot canister and it's going right for the fucking flame and he yells run you know everyone does and fucking peter explodes the explosion knocks edward out cold carter and, and so basically they go, oh shit so they're 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 separated now a little bit uh james jonas and collins see edward and kind of go a little bit to him but carter and jameson come out around the corner they tell Jonas and Collins to to help Edward into the rec room along with Kate, Adam, and, and Dr. Halverston. This scene was crazy, dude. Like, uh, poor Peter, man. I, I fucking wish he didn't go out like that. Me too. I feel like this whole sequence moves really fast. Not in a bad way. Yeah. In a good way. No. In a good but way. But no, we're, we're, we're pretty much rounding the end of the second act and about to get into the the third act I, we probably only have like 30 minutes left of the movie yeah yeah and the the third act moves really fast but uh Extremely. yeah but I, I i'm i'm okay with like i'm okay with it i'm i have zero major complaints at this point all the complaints i, I mean, have are this- complaints i have with any other movie Right, bad CGI. Like, yeah, like make that yeah, fucking or, CGI or look better. Cliche like a character moment. It's yeah. like, duh, this happens all yeah. the time. I kind of don't get why there was such a backlash to this movie, uh, you know, when it came out. I kind of don't get that. At this point, I'm I'm in it. Like, I am fully invested yeah. in the film. Yeah. And part of me feels like the best is yet to come. Dun dun, dun dun. All right, (laughs) this shit's about to get wild. So, as everyone is walking back into the rec room, uh, Kate tells Carter, she kind of whispers to Carter, she goes, not all of us are human. So, Jonas and Collins are carrying Edward, and I, as a kid, always referred to this carrying style as the Vietnam style, where you basically have the person in the middle with one arm on the person on the left and one arm and the person on the, the right. As a kid, I literally, if I ever see this in a movie, I always say, hey, he's carrying him Vietnam style. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. And He's so, carrying him, uh, you know, showboating German soldier style. What? <laughs> Skibbity Skibbity bop, bop. Come on, guys. <laughs> so, they have one arm is over each of them, basically. And as they're walking with him, so you know he's kind of sort of moving, but he's kind of out of it, you know. As they're walking with him, this is super fucking cool, and this is also a practical effect with CGI enhancements. Edwards, one of his arms detaches from its yeah. body, 
the one that Jonas is holding on to, and it becomes like this centipede creature thing, and it basically starts attacking Jonas, hits him like he goes against the wall and everything, but the creature's thing, basically its stump thing, goes up to Jonas's mouth, starts going inside his fucking mouth, the same way that fucking like Blair did at the end of the movie with putting his hand on on the captain's yeah. mouth, you know, and and you know it's just like. It's just feeding them. It's just feeding them fucking shit down yeah. his throat. And those, you know? those things apparently are very similar to the 2002 PlayStation game. Yeah, the little hand, the little hand yeah. creatures, you know? Yeah. My my biggest gripe was, like, why didn't the thing do this more, sending out, like, little hand creatures to, like, attack things, you know? So at this point, <laughs> Collins runs out of the room in, in fear. Uh, Carter tries to burn Edward, who's now at this point on the ground shrieking and shaking and doing the whole thing thing. Uh, but the flamethrower won't fire. This is another little homage to the to you know what? I don't know anything about flamethrowers, man. Maybe they're easy to to you know get clogged or something because apparently they pressure or whatever. I don't know. So two things that I have probably unrealistic. Uh, uh, understandings of one because of all the Call of Duty games I played I think it's very easy to escape a helicopter crash or survive a helicopter crash I think and then two I think flamethrowers get clogged a lot that's my understanding of how they work hopefully we never have to figure out either of those things (laughs) hopefully we never fucking do dude (laughs) Uh, so the flamethrower won't fucking fire of fucking course just then, a huge tentacle bursts out of Edward's chest and starts swinging around the room and breaking stuff. Dude, by the way, I thought this was CGI. It's a fucking practical effect, by the way. Um, it's a it's like a tentacle with a like on the edge of a device. They have like I'm like yeah. wow. I I think they just I think they add some CGI elements to practical things, but unfortunately, it just makes the whole thing then look CGI. Yeah, I mean, it it looked really cool. It looked really cool, and I think um, yeah. I think. Like I don't, I don't, I love this this scene. It's tense. I think it's it, it's almost as tense as the eighty two version. Yeah, this is yeah. This is when it gets the closest to the tension yeah. level, basically. Yep. At this point, Adam tries to run for the door. Your favorite boy, Adam, <laughs> tries to run for the door. Uh, but unfortunately, the thing's tentacle kind of swipes at him. He kind of dodges it, but lands on his back. And then, unfortunately, the thing fucking sinks that tentacle right into his stomach and just rips a giant hole he out of him. He has the best, best upcoming death. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Dr. Halverson leaves the room in a hurry. <laughs> so now we have Carter, Jameson, and Kate hiding behind an overturned pool table. Uh, Carter still can't get his flamethrower to work. The thing shoots a tentacle through the pool table, sort of knocking Carter to the side out into the open. Uh, Jameson, fucking hero, stands up, saves his buddy by shooting at the creature, but unfortunately it shoots its tentacle and impales Jameson yeah. through the chest. I'm like, no! Oh, he fucking saved his friend, man. Um, Carter helps Jameson and ha- and hands Kate the flamethrower to fix. Adam is still on the ground and screaming. He's kind of like on his back trying to like move away from Edwards as Edwards continues to transform in front of him, which is really fucking cool. Uh, Edwards detaches his other hand and it goes running off. Edwards then st- crawls like does this like backwards upside down crawl and gets on top of adam and starts merging with him as adam is yelling burn 
earn it. Like everything is merging with him. The skin, the yeah. hair, it's all like going for him. It's really fucking, it's a really cool idea. Um, I think would be, you know, looking better if it used 2021 CGI, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm not, I don't want to talk about the CGI anymore, dude. Let's just talk about how cool this fucking like little scene is. You know what yeah, I mean? I think it's, I think it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, me too. I mean, too. And, you know, at this point, at this point, I wasn't even fucking like thinking about the CGI. I was just fully invested in the in the movie and yeah. the story. And I love the fact that, you know, Adam is yelling, burn it, like burn him and it essentially, you know, you know, shit's bad when you're hoping to die with the thing right. that's attacking you, you know. Uh, of course, Kate finally gets the flamethrower to work, but it's too late. And the Edward thing. I, so I started taking notes. I said I would I would write it as Edward dash thing uh, crawls off with Adam still attached by the face. It's really great. It's it's such an awesome and it explains the, uh, you know, the found creature in 82. Yep, exactly. It, this is going to lead up to that. Yeah, for sure. Kate follows it into the hallway, but it's gone. She goes back into the room and see, sees Jonas like still struggling with the thing. It's like, I mean, it's up in his oh, yeah. mouth. It's up in his eyeballs. It's really fucking cool. But he's got one eye that's just like one eye that has recognition left and he's staring at her and you can tell he's just like with his eye just pleading. And the other eye is like starting to pop out of his head. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That was that was my favorite little thing, you know, that yeah. they did was make his other eyeball like. Yeah, dude, fucking yeah. cool, dude. That was cool. I liked that. She burns him. She fucking burns him. And then he does the Windows leg kick thing too, you know. <laughs> now it now it uh now Carter is by Jameson sort of as he dies. It's a nice little moment, but it, I like that they don't extend it too long. You know, it, it's not like it doesn't overstay its Yeah, welcome. they clearly have a relationship with I which is cool. And part of me is like if it stabs you does that mean it can start manipulating your body? And I, I think it does because that's why when when he does die, Carter steps away and gives uh, um, Kate the the sort of the nod to burn Jameson. So I do I do think that there was probably a, a piece. You know, the creature's going to kill you, right? But he might as well just break off a piece of itself and leave it inside you, and then just get to work. I mean, it's going to take longer for that one to be taken yep. over, but eventually it's going to become another one it's of you. Happen. So, hey, yep. it, exactly. So I like the fact that Kate burned it. As Kate and Carter make their way through the base, we see Dr. Halveston is hiding in a communications room. Uh, he hears a growl in the hallway and sees the thing's shadow coming down the hall. We also see Collins is in another communication room, one that might look a little bit more familiar to us as fans of the original movie. Just then, the electricity goes out in the building, and Carter and Kate hear Dr. Halverston getting attacked by the thing. And we see it, too. We see he's, like, kind of scooching back on the ground, and then the thing just attacks him. This giant, like... It's which I guess... Appear it's, it's the... It's, it's the Edward, it's the Edward slash Adam. Yeah, thing. And, and and there's a variation of it as well in the 2002 video game. So I love that they mm. use that game as a source material as well. Yeah, it seems like they did. I guarantee you, the the people who were yeah they played that video game. I, I love that game. You. 
Me too, dude. I wish they would like HDify it or something so I could play it on my PS4. Something. Like they did with uh like they did with the Warriors, you know, like they beef up the graphics and let you be yeah. able to play it. I th- I would love to revisit that cuz I'm not sure if I ever even actually beat it. Oh, I beat it. Oh, you beat it, baby. No, no I literally beat, beat the game. <laughs> uh <laughs> at this point they're Carter and Kate are moving uh through the complex. And they round the corner into a very familiar hallway that we recognize from the original yep. movie. And we see one of Edward's thing hands uh, crawling up the wall Oof. and attacks them. Carter sinks his axe into it and into the wall, kind of splitting it in half. Uh, Kate then burns the creature. And then as Carter goes to to grab the axe, Kate tells him to leave it because there's blood on it. That, I, that makes sense also. It, she's not telling him to leave it for... Because it's got to be found by McCready later. She's telling him to leave it because it's got blood on it. That blood can contaminate him. And this is the axe that McCready basically finds later. Uh, And then they had to actually use um, uh, his height, Kurt Russell's height, to figure out where exactly the axe would land, yada, yada, yada. Because, I mean, they really wanted to make this line up perfectly. Again, it's it's not like... You know, oftentimes with so many remakes, you hear that the director's like, I want to put a new spin on this movie. I want to put a new spin on this mm-hmm. franchise or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. This is like, no, we want to, and I, I go back to what they said uh, to Universal, allegedly, is the producers. It's like putting a mustache on Mona Lisa. We don't want to touch, we don't want to touch the original The Thing or the re- yeah. oh, 82 The Thing. Let's We want to do a yeah. prequel which is so awesome and, and so far so good. Yeah. So far so good. Um, they do a little bit more exploring and then they get separated and the Edward Adam thing starts attacking Carter and he chases him to another room and it's kind of like a dead end. Uh, Carter's back is against the wall. The creature starts, you know, looking around and f- eventually finds him. And we see the Edward Adam creature in its, you know, full glory and everything. It's right there. And it sees Carter and it's going to attack him. Got nowhere to go. And as it's charging at Carter, Kate comes up from the side, hits it with the flamethrower. Carter does a cool thing where he kind of runs up the, the shelving or something as the creature on fire hits the wall behind him, blasts through the wall, goes out into the snow behind them. Outside, Kate continues to burn the shit out of it, uh, and the thing is the... Now we see it's the two-faced creature yep. uh, that eventually Mac and and Co- Copper are going to find from Outpost, Outpost 31, and this is where it is. And this is actually... This is good. This is the creature that they bring back, essentially. Yeah, I love it. I love it. This it, it, I, I love... The whether it's CGI or practical, the way it looks when it's all torched and, and the, the skin is yeah. melting off. So cool. So so the so the creature they bring back is Adam and Doc and Alverson. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's Adam and Edward. Yeah, it's it's bad uh bad Owen Wilson. <laughs> tiny tiny, tiny nip- nipples. Tiny and, nipples. And, and <laughs> tiny nipples and Norwegian and Brad Norwegian Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. <laughs> in the snow burning flesh <laughs> uh, and so as they're burning it uh and, and it's kind of like you know it's settling down it does it lets out this scream you know the the thing scream and kind of dies uh kate and carter then they see dr halverston driving the snowcat <laughs> away from the base <laughs> yeah. 
And my first thought was, well, you didn't do a real good job of uh, making sure that those things didn't work anymore, did you? Yeah, because he gets in and goes. So did they forget to wire one, a uh, uh, cut one? Perhaps. Yeah. And clearly the, the creature knows how to like fucking hotwire yeah. one of those things. Was he a dupe um, boy? Yeah, dude. Fuck seriously. Yeah, maybe he fucking uh, uh, absorbed a Duke boy later earlier and uh, had that knowledge yeah. in him. Um, that tracks because that was but, the uh, late seventies, wasn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, they load up another snowcat and repair it basically by putting the wires back. That together. was cool that they showed that. Yeah, I'm, at least they showed it, you know. And they start heading off after Doctor Halverson thing. Uh, in the snowcat, Kate looks at Carter. You can see his earring. And asks, uh, what happened to Lars? Carter says, we didn't kill him. Uh, So I was like, okay, I like that. I like that they didn't forget about that, you know? They arrive at the UFO crash site and see Dr. Halverson's snowcat there. They make their way down to the tunnel. And at the top of the UFO, they they see the hatch is open. They start making their way towards the hatch. And the the ship starts powering up and what they're essentially walking on are vents that are turning that are like sort of flat and now they're turning downwards to aim upwards so they're running as these vents are opening and uh, basically kate doesn't make it and she falls into one of the vents carter then looks back at the hatch and goes down that kate wakes up inside of the ship and this is cool. So now we're starting to see what, what the ship looks like from the inside. This is new stuff that they're adding to the mythos. She sees the the engines are starting to spin up and everything. She starts walking through the ship. Uh, she sees the alien engines and all this kind of stuff. And as she makes her way deeper in, we then see Carter is in the ship too. And he's kind of yelling for her. And he hears something and he turns around. That's all we see. Kate is now in what looks like the bridge of the ship. And there is a pillar of moving blocks in the middle of the room. So this is interesting. What they did here, the original, in the actual set, on the actual physical set here, where this pillar of moving blocks is, there is an alien there that they essentially cover over with this CGI. And you can see it actually in, I, I, I took a picture of it, so I'll post it online, but you can actually see it in the making, one of the making of featurettes. They show a shot of Mary Elizabeth Winstead on the set, the bridge. I, I assume this is the bridge. And instead of that pillar of blocks and lights is this alien that's kind of like sort of standing, but it's you can tell that it's like attached to something. So... <clears throat> I assume what they were going for originally was a an alien scenario. Remember when you mentioned earlier how the 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 base kind of looked like the alien craft, the derelict yeah. ship? And I said, oh, maybe that was a reason for that because this has the feel of that the creature, you know, it's something we speculated. Is this ship something that the creature made or was this ship the something that the creature hijacked? And honestly, my wife was like in a little bit when when she, the creature's chasing uh, Kate, Myra's like, why couldn't, why, why would the creature develop something that it couldn't get through? And I said, I don't think it's its ship. I think it's a ship that it stole or, or you know, infected or whatever. She, my, my wife was like, oh, that that's actually really cool. It makes sense. So, yeah. <clears throat> so that totally makes sense. What we have here, so now what we have here is 
we're left with the the what's what the filmmakers put forward, which is the square blocks and everything. And I know that people would rather kind of see the alien there. And I was actually thinking about this a lot. I was thinking about this pretty much the entire time I was showering today. And I was like, you know what? If we just saw the alien, we would be like, okay, I get it. It's 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 a vi- The thing's a virus. The alien's probably the the captain of the ship. It's alien esque. That's great. It's over. I'm, I I get it. But I actually kind of like the CGI block things because I don't know what they are. Like I'm like, is that is that the AI? Is that a different kind of alien? Is that the creature itself? I don't know. But I find it actually to be a more interesting choice than just having an alien there kind of like fucking the movie Alien and, and you know, that being the, the creature that piloted the ship. I kind of thought this was a little bit fucking cooler. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree. I feel like I know that they they filmed this. They finished this movie two weeks before it got released. So they did a lot of reshoots. And this is probably obviously one of the reshoots. So they had to scramble yeah. and like basically make do with what they had. Uh, so that being said, it, it's a on one hand, it's a letdown because I'm like, well, what is it? And then I want to know what it is. Like, I kind of I want to know what it is because the thing we don't know what the thing is that that's the biggest mystery to me. It's like we don't know what this thing thing is, you know. But 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 if you saw the alien there, if you, if it wasn't those box and it was what they originally intended, you saw the alien there. It's it looks very alien. It looks not like the thing. What would you have thought? What, what would your thoughts well, have so been? Well, so I think I'm not sure if I would have liked that either. I'm not sure what I really wanted. The blocks are the okay, the blocks are not bad. They're it it definitely looks. It's to me, it's the cheapest effect in the movie for sure. Uh, but yeah. it's interesting. It's, it's different. It's different. You know, there's, there's shots of the interiors of the, sh- of the ship at one point that are, are very cool looking. I'm like, I want to know more about this. Yeah. It's mysterious. And I like that, that it adds, uh, an element of mystery as to like what this thing is. And I do like the original idea that the aliens were, this was, it hijacked their ship. I love that. Yeah. That makes, that makes total yeah. sense to me. And, and I think that was, I mean, that's what I always thought with the original movie, too. Okay. I mean, I, I, that was one of my assumptions. I was like, I don't think it was his ship, you know. But, I, but yeah, ultimately, I think ultimately we, I'm with you. I don't like, I don't know if, if either of those is the right way to do it. Because, like I said, one way is just too alien-esque with the, with the space jockey and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, I get it. But with this, I'm like, oh, but it gets my imagination going. But you're right. You, you, like you said, you're like, oh, cool. So what is it? But then we don't ever find out. So you're like, okay, so what's better? Like something that's cool, but you don't know what it is or something that you understand what it is, but it's kind of derivative. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, 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 I, and I think when I like what you said, I don't know if either of those are the things that I wanted to yeah. see. Yeah, what I did like was – uh, when she was on the when the when uh, Kate was on the vent and it opened up and she slipped in, that was really creepy because yeah. it's, it, she slips yeah. in the darkness and yeah. um, you know the fact that she just like drops down inside the ship. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I, I it was kind of weird because I'm like, what the vents just lead you into the ship? That would be kind of weird. Weird or rushed? Yes. Like this climax 
it's I, I I almost yeah it feels I would say that it was tacked on at the end but the way that they built this movie it wasn't I do think that they kind of like the movie is we're seeing the movie that they really intended maybe little minor things here and there but I do think we're seeing the movie that they intended I just think that this final climax which is like only like 10 yeah. minutes I wanted so much more from me it. too I I would have loved to see more of this but yeah but that being said, it it's it's not the worst thing in the world. It, but it's more just yeah. like, nah, this part is kind of forgettable because it's it it's kind of cliche. This is this this point. This is the most cliche part of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, the the most I would say this is probably the most uninspired part yes. of the film. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And and I think this is probably where a lot of people are get a little. The, the bad taste in their mouth about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but so Kate's looking at that thing in the middle and she doesn't sort of notice behind her, the shadow of the creature is there and it, it moves its way, you know, into the light. She turns around and she sees it. It's got Dr. Halverson's face. Uh, the creature swats at Kate and knocks her down. The grenade she was holding rolls away down a corridor. She chases after the grenade with the thing in pursuit, but it can't fit down the corridor. This is when my wife was like, why would the thing be in a, I'm like, I don't think it was his ship. And she was like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I like that. My, my wife was like, okay, that makes sense to me. And she, she was like, I'm fine with that now, you know? Yeah. Um, and she, go, uh, it, it tries to, to get her with its tentacles and everything, but it eventually sort of retreats back. My only pushback, uh, is, is like, well, why didn't it just drop one of its little hand critters to go get her? Um, so it, it's okay. I, I don't, it doesn't bother me, you know. Just then, the thing after, oh, I'm sorry, there's a little bit of tension. She's kind of like contemplating what to do. Just then, the thing breaks through the wall behind her, sort of propelling her forward. She dies for the grenade, She, uh, and, but it grabs her, pulls her to the bridge of, of the, the ship. And but she did grab the grenade. She pulls the pin, and as it's kind of going to go bite her or eat her or whatever, consumer, she throws the grenade into its mouth. I I think this is what feels like the most Hollywoody. Like this is what feels yeah. the most 2011. I was waiting you know? for her to say, you know, suck, suck on, on this. this. Suck. Well, we both fucking <laughs> said the exact same fucking thing. And and yeah, dude, me too. I'm like, this is when, yeah, this is when the movie gets vastly less interesting to me because it's just, it's such a, now it's a Hollywood ending, you know? Yeah. yeah. She throws the grenade, it goes in its mouth, it tries to get it out, and it eventually just blows up. Uh, Carter runs in there, pulls Kate out, you know, before it blows up and everything. And uh, the ship starts powering down, and we see that the engine blew the top off of the cave, exposing the ship, and and now we see it like how we're going to see it in the next movie. Which is why I love that. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was cool. Kate and Carter walk back to one of the snowcats. Carter says that there's a Russian station about 50 miles away, and uh, they have enough gas to get there. It's going to be okay. Very similar to Griggs. Very reassuring. Everything's going to be a-okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, Carter gets into the driver's seat, and Kate, he's kind of leaning behind, and Kate sees that he has no earring in his left ear. Great. She's uh, she's like, and this is when my, my stomach just sank. And she's like, okay, let me uh, let me just go put this flamethrower away. And, you know, Carter's like, okay, cool. And she kind of grabs it, walks back around, and she says to him, she goes, 
you know how I knew you were human back at the base? Your earring. And he fucking reaches for the wrong ear. And yep. I, this is when I do like Mary Elizabeth Weinstead because you can just see the sadness in her face. And she goes, the other ear. Like, yeah. you, you stupid alien. The other ear. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. And th- this is this is like my as ever since I was a kid watching the thing movie. This is it. This is like you have him at flamethrower point. Why can't you just talk to him? And what I didn't understand as a kid is that it's not human. You can't talk to it. It's just mimicking human behavior. Yep. She lights fucking Carter thing on fire. Great shot of fucking Joel Egerton getting lit on fire. I don't know if that was a fake head and a fake body or what, but it looked fantastic. Yeah, it looked cool. Looked really fucking cool. And the movie, the proper movie, ends with her sitting in the the driver's seat of probably Dr. Halverson's cab and just looking out. And she survived. She is the only survivor. Survived, but most likely probably dies because of hypothermia or whatever. Because where's she going to go? What's she going to do? She doesn't know where she is. And that's the thing, like that snowcat's not there when when Outpost Thirty One gets there. So, well, no, they never even actually do. They ever? No, they do go to the site. They do go to the crash site. Um. So yeah. So she probably drove off hoping for something. And yeah, I'm with you. She probably just died out there. I would. I, I will say at this point, you know, because he said that the Russian base, and who knows if there even was a Russian base, but that could potentially be a cool open sequel. sequel where she was alive and they she found the Russian base and it starts a whole other movie. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. And 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 I'm fine with like the fact that you could have Dr. Halverson have left a little thing hand in that snowcat that she used, you know? Like I'd be fine with that. So yeah, that would be I'm cool with that. I could see a sequel to this movie that happens sort of at the same time that, you know, the original movie happened, but at the Russian base. Yeah. That's cool, dude. That's cool. But arguably one of the coolest parts of the movie, of this movie, The Thing 2011, is its epilogue. During the the credits, we see the connective tissue, and it, like a puzzle, butts up right against John Carpenter's original movie. Uh, during the credits, we see the familiar helicopter, the, the one that has the, the lock designation on the side, the L-O-K-K, um, helicopter from the original movie land at the Norwegian base. The pilot steps out, looks like the guy from the original to survey the destruction. He starts yelling hello in Norwegian. Um, then we see a shot of Collins in that control room or that, uh, comms room. He Collins is the guy who slashed his throat and slashed his wrists. So that's what we know his fate. And there's a deleted scene, I guess on the Blu-ray that shows that scene where he cuts oh, his throat. Okay. Because okay. He, oh. he's backed in there. He hears noises and he freaks out and he does himself in. I mean, I, I'm glad they cut it because I think we understand what happens to Collins. Yeah. And it, honestly, that's one of the wor- probably one of the worst deaths in the movie. Yeah. And think what, about it. What I love about this because it is the end credits. Um, and and the same producers behind Dawn of the Dead, where they did that same thing. Mm-hmm, My f- mm-hmm. favorite part of Dawn of the Dead was that end credit sequence. Great, dude! That fucking credit sequence. I loved that end credit sequence in Dawn of the Dead. It's the remake. best. It's the it's best. Fucking awesome. Yeah, and so th- this this is, 
I came in right when um, Kate fell into the ship, and I was like, okay. what am I watching? But this is okay. This is cool. Oh, now I want to watch the rest of this. And now, and then I see that end, end scene, and I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. I love this. I love yeah. what they did here. Yeah, this, this is this is like their their coup de gras. This is their stroke of genius right here. Um, so Lars, then you see a gun sort of pointing out of the shed, and Lars Lars shoots at the ground by the helicopter pilot. Uh, he goes out to him, tells like at gunpoint, tells the helicopter pilot to open his mouth to see the fillings. I like this. I like Lars. I like the fact that Lars checks this guy. Yep. As they're talking. A fucking dog jumps out the window, a dog that we know is dead or should be dead. And I love how fucking Lars looks at the dog and he's like, that's no fucking dog. And he starts shooting at it, you know. Lars knows that they had one dog and it's dead. He tells the pilot to start the helicopter. Lars then gets on the, the side position um, and the helicopter takes off and they start chasing it across the snow, shooting at it. And I think that they actually use a scene from the original movie because the dog that's running with the helicopter chasing it looks like the original dog, whereas the one that jumped out the window didn't have as much black on its face. And I yeah. noticed the second time and I was like, oh, I think. I think they just took the actual scene from the original movie and inserted it here as Lars is, ch- and then they, and, and then it ends with a close up with the helicopter of Lars, and he's got that that slit visor, you know, so you know he's the one that's gonna get fucking shot in the eye, essentially. Yeah, and and not only that, but piggyback onto the grenades that they that he showed that her found. at the yep. beginning because those that's the grenade that he loses in his hand and it blow, obviously blows up the chopper in the in the 82. It's great. Yep, and the pilot and yeah, I love I love how they made it all connect at the end. And guys and gals, that is the thing 2011 prequel by Morgan Creek. Buddy boy, this was your first time watching it. You seem like you had fun with it. What were your your overall thoughts? Yeah, first of all, uh shout out one more time to Morgan Creek for for uh you know getting this movie in our hands and we're able to watch it and break it down because the the DVD itself is is fantastic it looks great and it's got a ton of great extras on it um i overall enjoyed it i would i watch it again yes i would i would watch it again i actually would watch it uh and then have the 82 thing teed up to watch it yeah. right after that would be a great, cool viewing. That, that would be a fun, like, two, four hours of, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I think yeah. that'd be a real fun thing to do. Yeah, and then I might add that uh, that show Helix uh, on, on Sci-Fi uh, as, as a follow-up to this, because Helix is actually a really cool show. Um, at least the first season was really good. Kind of plays on elements of the thing. It definitely you and I watched inspired. that. We, we did we? watch it together. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. it's it's pretty damn good. Um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed myself. I liked it. I don't see what the hate is on this movie, if there is. Well, actually, there is. I see a lot of people crap on this movie. I didn't dislike it that much. I didn't dislike it at all. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, its faults are what I said earlier. They're, they're, they're minor in comparison to my overall enjoyment of this film. I love that it had a relatively unknown cast. I love that it was beautifully shot. I love that the storyline is in 
it, it is canon in a way because it like it, it really stay it syncs up with the 82 Carpenter version. I love that the director, producers, writers try their damnedest to make an authentic, fun follow up, um, you know, 30 years later. So overall, I give it a, you know, two decapitated thumbs up. <laughs> if you, yeah, if your your fingers turn into heads because you're the thing, and then you decapitate them, yeah, I'm with you. I'd give it. I, I would give it three. I would give it a uh, total total recall three boob. Uh, <laughs> I'm just happy you said total recall. Yeah, I did that for you. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I'm with you, man. Like, like you know, am I gonna watch this a million times? No. Am I gonna watch it as much as I watch? The original thing, no. But do I? Did I enjoy my time with it? Yes. Will I watch it again? Yes. Well, do I want to watch them back to back? Yeah, I think that would be really fucking cool to do that. Even if you like do it like two nights in a row or something, I think that'd be really fucking neat. Yeah. I think that it's like we said earlier. I think its strong points outweigh its weak points. I know the backlash of the CGI. I feel you, you know, like I do feel you. Sometimes, though, I think it's awesome. Like when Griggs's head splits, you can't do that shot with practical because he's looking at the camera. He's talking when his head just like cracks. It does this weird little shift thing. It's so fucking cool. And that's when CGI works the best, I think, you know, but you know, I, I like the fact that they were like, okay, if we're going to do CGI, I like the fact that they showed us that the creature moved differently. I, I, I like that they had fun with it. I like that they made the creature a bit more nimble than we originally saw. And we know that John Carpenter was not pleased with the ending of the original movie and how the Blair creature looked and everything. He wanted the creature to be more nimble and more moving and everything. And I think that they accomplished that here. I think that the only drawback is, is that it's 2011 CGI, and I think that if we did it today, you know, the exact same movie with 2021 CGI, I think it would hold up longer. You know, I, I do think that we have made strides. I do think we're finally hitting the point with CGI where I think it's it's going to hold up, you know, like it actually looks good and is going to hold up. Um, but I do think that there was a lot of love put into this film. I think there was a lot of reverence for the original film put into this film. Um, I think the fire effects were great. I think they had a lot of stunt work and everything. But I think what really makes this movie stand out is the Norwegian cast. I loved the guy who played Peter. I love the guy who played fucking Lars. I love Jonas. I love Edvard. I, I thought they were all fucking great. And I never... And, half of me was excited to just watch these actors that I'd never seen before, like a whole collection of them, you know? And it's like without the added pressure of like watching a foreign film, like, yeah. like you're seeing a bunch of, of Norwegian actors in an American movie. So it's much more accessible to an American audience. And my takeaway more than like wanting to rewatch this movie, which again, like I said, I, I probably will do in the future. Um, is I want to watch some of the movies that these actors are in that I that I really fucking enjoyed. Totally. I love the I loved Lars. I love the guy who played Lars, and I love the guy who played Peter. I want to see more of them. So that's my biggest takeaway. And uh, but I I I, I do thank uh, Morgan Creek for hooking us up with this one, and I'm glad that we we checked it out much sooner than we probably ever would have on our on our own. But 
like, let's be honest, man. We, with this and the um, Patreon sequel, the Patreon comic book sequel, like we've we've wrapped up the thing essentially, you know. Like we we've bookended it. It's it's over for us, which is great. I like that. I like that we know this. I like that we have this knowledge. I love that too. I love that this is one of our favorite storylines to equally together that we love, and uh, what a great opportunity to continue a breakdown of 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 something we thoroughly enjoy so and 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 to be honest like there's two versions of this uh on available there's a mill creek one that's like six bucks on amazon and then the the universal proper one is like 15 bucks on amazon and you know honestly physical blu-rays are where it's at Uh, i'm just so you know we we've had this it we're not going to uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to praise <laughs> For, the heck out of uh, physical copies. I, I just, I don't foresee myself. I rent uh, digital copies now yeah. if, if I can't get it anywhere else. Um, but man, I my days of like buying digital is over, and yeah. uh, physical. I, I love, I love the, I love the fact that we have a physical copy of this. And I mean, would I have bought this physical copy uh, if we hadn't done the movie? Probably, yeah, because I want to see it. I, I had been wanting to see it, so I'm glad I finally did. And, you know, Morgan Creek, um, you know, opened the door for the opportunity for us to, to review movies that are in our wheelhouse. And we would, we would like Corey said in the, in the top of the show, we wouldn't do, a, you know, a drama or a period piece or whatever, because that's not in vain with what we do. But this checked all the boxes. Yeah. This checked all the boxes. The only thing it didn't check was, uh, you know, uh, Corey's sleazy side. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's all good. Like you're not always gonna. There's always gonna be. There's always gonna be one apple that's slightly bruised on a tree. It's all. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but but this was great. If if we have the opportunity to do this with other movies, if someone comes to us and says, "Hey, we really want you to, you know, break down our movie," and it's within our wheelhouse. Yeah. Shit. We're definitely consider it um and uh, props to morgan creek for saying have fun just do your thing they didn't they didn't tell us ahead of time say hey could you give us a really good review so people go out and buy this thing they didn't do that yeah no no he he, alex who runs the morgan creek thing yeah he never once said give it a positive spin or anything like that he just okay review it and i think that's that's awesome and i i appreciate that and yeah i i'm you know yeah we're not gonna like fucking review like something that's not in our wheelhouse but i do appreciate that he actually cared about what is in our wheelhouse because we do hit get hit up by a lot of people that that want us to like do things and i'm like do you not know what we are like yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean and i'm just like okay so i'm like I, I was kind of happy that he seemed to actually care that like you know the thing would work for us he's not like trying to be like come on man like review morgan you know or, uh last mohicans or something you know I'm like no like then i have to tell you no but like he understood now that's cool so props and i appreciate that and uh yeah i had fun with this i had fun with this movie i mean even myra like was saying like you know like, yeah this same problems we had with it, you know, CGI here and there, whatever. But for the most part, she was like, I had fun. Like, it was a fun movie. I'm like, yeah, it was kind of kind of cool. Not going to lie. If you like this genre and you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Yeah, I think If you, you have seen it and you didn't like it initially, watch it again. 
sincerely. Give it, give it a reshot. Give yeah. it a reshot. See see if it holds up. You know, and if it doesn't, I get it. I totally, totally get it. It's hard. It's hard to fucking, you know, uh, compete with the, the, the master. I mean, not only, I was telling Myra, I was like, not only do you have like this film creator genius in John Carpenter, but you also have the genius of like Rob Bottin and everything. You have multiple geniuses working on this film. And that's not to say these guys aren't geniuses too, but like, or, or it's not to say that they're not at the, the top of their game, you know, as filmmakers, but being a genius in your in your genre is a hard thing to compete with and i think that they made their own movie and i think that's at the end of the day is what's going to set it apart and what's going to have like stand on its own legs is they they did you know have some fun with it some expectations and twist them but they made their own movie at the end of the day, and yeah. I think that's what's going to work with I it. I totally agree. I, I am glad you enjoyed it because when I, you know, obviously when, when Morgan Creek hit us up and, and I discussed it with you, you know, I, I could see you pushing back. If I, And if you did push back, I would have been like, okay, I'm, you know, we, we're going to, we don't do things, you know, we do things like as a, as a collective here. So like if Zach didn't want to do this, we wouldn't have done this. And, and I, I'm, but I'm glad you liked it, dude. I'm really glad you liked it because it was a fun film. So it was a lot of fun talking about it too, especially, especially since, it's very rare for me to talk to you about a movie you've never seen before. Yeah, right. That, that That's a first. Well, this did come out in the last 20 years, so it doesn't surprise me that I hadn't seen it. That's right. That's right. So we hope you guys enjoyed the show. And as always, we want you to check out $2 Lafey. What's uh, what's going on over there, buddy boy? Oh, baby cakes. Uh, we just dropped an interview with Brad Fidel, the, the music composer behind... Terminator and Fright Night and True Lies and countless others. Really good interview. Um, I, I We recorded it a little while back, but and so I, I re-listened to it the other day, and I was like, this is some good stuff. He, he's a, he was a really good guest and talked about where he, how he got involved with Jim Cameron and what he's doing today. It's really fascinating stuff. And then we have, um, by the time this airs, we'll have an upcoming interview with Jesu Garcia, who mm. we, we've we interviewed, Corey and I, for Podcasting After Dark, which is on our Patreon. And Jesu Garcia, a.k.a. Nick Corey of A Nightmare in Elm Street and Wildcats in Gotcha Fame. baby. baby. Um, he did a completely different interview with my co-host Dustin and I for $2 Late Fee. And so I, both of them equally back to back are great interviews. It would be like a great two hour conversation to listen to. Jesu is a fascinating guest. Uh, for those of you that listen to our Patreon interview with him, you already know how cool he is. Uh, for those of you that haven't checked it out and are considering it, trust me for somebody that, uh, you know, doesn't listen to a lot of other podcasts or interviews like I feel like I would gladly do it if, if I hadn't been the one to interview him, <laughs> you know <laughs> you, what I'm saying? You didn't already have the yeah. knowledge in your head. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. <laughs> Down to earth guy. Uh, he goes, you know, he talks spiritually with Corey and I, he does the same with Dustin and I, but in a different way and talks a lot about some of the movies that, um, he started in, in the eighties and some funny insights. So yeah, that's what we're doing on $2. 
We've got a bunch of upcoming great stuff, just like we do on Podcasting After Dark's interview series. I think uh, this month, uh, William Sadler is going to drop, I believe. Yeah, William Sadler will be uh, in the Patreon bundle by the end of April. And, uh, and, And then there's much more to come. On both ends, we got Sean Sean Whalen already in the can. We got Peter, Peter Jason. Jason in the can. Uh, that is, man, I don't know which ex, which interview I'm more excited to release. But uh, and then this Saturday, I think we're gonna talk to um, James Etock. Ja- yeah, James Etock, um, who is the publisher of Serial Geek Magazine. He's also a huge He-Man fan and a huge like real Ghostbusters fan. And uh, he's he's doing this thing where he's basically creating the return of Fakor, which is like this f- filmation. Th- it, it's really cool. So it, check him out. Check out Serial Geek. We'll, we'll, we'll interview him and, and we'll, we'll get it out there. But uh, he's he's doing a lot of cool shit. Yeah, he he actually uh, recreated a a old school filmation episode and and of uh, of Fakor. Yeah, Fakor of, of a, a proper version of it. Um, and got a cease and desist from, uh, universal studio or universal pictures who owns it. NBC universal owns he, the property rights, I guess. Uh, and this is their way. I don't know. They, he, he worked out a way to get it out into the world for everyone to see. And I mean, we're interviewing him about that. He has published books, dark horse comics, um, he knows the ins and outs he of the ABCs and the one, two, threes of He-Man masters of the universe. And yeah, he's also equally a TMNT and real Ghostbuster fan. Hey, um, I mean, he's basically, I mean, he's like just us. He's just us with, you know, he just went on a different path. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, when I said to Corey, do you want to do this? He's like, Oh hell yeah. Because this, oh, yeah. this guy is in our wheelhouse. Like, David Irons, you know, you look at our, these inspirational figures in our life, our, our peers that that inspire us. Yeah, these are, these are guys. They're makers. You know, they're making it happen. They're making making their dreams come true for <laughs> me and you. Speaking of David, we got some good stuff coming this year with uh, with him. But uh, stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for all the fun stuff that we have going on podcasting after dark. And you can also, of course, listen to me every week talking about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast with our pal Adam uh, from the Blast From Our Past podcast. And uh, check out every podcast on our network. Uh, we have a bunch of great shows. We, we, we share a nostalgic podcast network with a bunch of fun shows like Blast From Our Past, Talking Back, Action Action, Throwback Trivia Takedown, People Don't Forget, uh, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, Cartwright Presents, Curb your enthusiasm. It's all nostalgia all the time, baby. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And yeah, so we'll check you guys next week. Uh, The next movie we are going to be reviewing, we actually know what it is. So check our uh, feeds for that. You'll, You'll find out soon enough. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. 
You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.